three, two, one. Hello. Welcome to an episode of Cheap Shop Discussions. An episode. Not another episode. Just an episode. An episode. Because either way, it's going to be listed as number one. Because that's just how they, <laughs> that's how they work. Yeah. Uh, so every I, episode will be number one from here on out. Yeah, just episode number one. It's always episode number one. Yeah. So I made a distasteful joke, and it offended somebody, and it affected me in the real world. So it was a humble reminder that people do listen to this podcast. <laughs> and for those of you. Tuning in, that are our normal listeners. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome th- back. Thanks for being. Thanks for being loyal. But there is going to be a number issue. But, but for those of you who are new and tuning in, dude, what we should do that is name this yeah. uh, podcast one point or one point one one point one the second coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the second coming, because <laughs> our first one was named in the I beginning. Like I like that. I was gonna yeah. call it a new beginning, but I like the second coming. <laughs> I do like that. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'll leave it at that, guys. Um, yeah, no, it 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 hurt me. It hurt me in the real world. So I'm gonna have to reassess a little bit. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's fine though. Which is funny. You know what's funny is that. This podcast, my other podcast, you can count probably on two hands how many times I've even swore in the other podcasts. But this one, I feel comfortable like just talking about everything. Yeah, I let my road rage out on this because sometimes, most, well, it used to be that I would come home from work and I would be like right after getting home from like going to an office. And now I don't really have that. So I feel like I'm a little more mellowed out. Right. Right. So maybe it's maybe it's a good thing, but yeah. Yeah, so welcome to the second coming. Yeah. It's been long in the making. <laughs> it was only a matter of time. Yeah. But it's here. Yeah. I was crucified. <laughs> and uh, uh I mean it's been about 3 days. Yeah. So yep. yeah, and I've been re- resurrected. And he is risen. Yeah. He has risen indeed. So here we are. <laughs> oh God, I'm going to hell. I don't I don't even know where to end it at. I don't even know where to start after that. What what do you mean? It feels like it's starting it's I feel like this is a brand new thing now. Because of your perspective on it? I don't know why. It just feels brand new again. Because I've been thinking about, okay, if we change too much, We're it's gonna not gonna lose. be this well, I don't th- I don't even think it's that. It just takes away from what we what we've been. established. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we have to change too no, much. I don't think so either. But you it know, is what it is. Yeah. We're here. We're queer. Not quite. Get used to get used to it. Not quite yet for me. <laughs> I still got enough life to experience. I, I but I'm, I'm early enough. It. I'm early enough on the road. I can't I'm not gonna make a distinctive, you know, choice right now. So yeah. So my mom keeps trying to set me up on a blind date with her coworker's daughter. And I'm like, I don't want to go. Wouldn't you have to go to Idaho for that? She used to live in Utah and now she lives in Idaho. But her... So you'd have to go, bottom line. Yeah, you'd have yeah, to yeah, go yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And I, even if she was still living here, I just don't want to right now. And, and regardless, dude, like, 
I'm sorry, a three and a half hour drive is not worth it. No. And my like, mom said, I, I told her, I'm like, I'm trying to establish myself and push my career right now to get to a place where I can be in the house for the dog and get another dog. And she's like, well, a girl can help you with that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not the perspective you should go into it looking. Yeah. Like, that's terrible. When I found Liz, I wasn't even looking to have a, a relationship. Right. Yeah. No, it, it's, I think that's the way it should be. I agree. I agree. Because that means you're happy with yourself and where you're at. Yeah, because I don't want to go looking for someone being like, how am I going to afford a place to live and then just date someone for that? Oh, could you imagine? Could you imagine getting... Could you imagine dating someone for three months and then getting a mortgage with them? And My then, mom did that. Oh, God. That was her ex-husband. Um, her and her ex-husband dated for like three or four months, got married, and moved in together. We're married for 10 years. Um it fell apart uh, in late 2018. Yeah. And it's just been a bunch of clusters of fuck jumping around. So they met since. just before the Great Recession. Right, right thereabouts, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like... Um, They're like, what could go wrong? Yeah, I think they got married in August of 2008. Um, bought a house together. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I love my, um, my stepdad. Yeah. Um, I, I still consider him my stepdad. I, I love that guy to death. He's a great guy. Um, and I'm happy to have had the opportunity to meet him in my life. But like the way my mom just rushed headlong into that and stuff, I was like, this is not going to end pretty. Right. Like period. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, doesn't sound great to me. I I don't want to. I couldn't imagine that. That sounds like a nightmare. Do you know what that sounds like? What? It's Utah. It is so Utah. That's true. Yeah, that's it's true. Like extremely Utah to do that. But I've been. I don't know. I've been. You have these kids that meet at senior prom and they get married right out of high school. Yeah, I know a lot of my friends that did that. They got married at eighteen, and you know, hope everything goes well. But it's like it's it's crazy. It's it, that's just bizarre to me. Yeah, yeah, it sucks, and it, it it is. It's the culture here in Utah. It's like you go out of state. Like if you go to California. Being married at the age of, like, 23 is very uncommon. Right. Very, very uncommon. Right. Um, uh, My friend Steve, he's older than I am. He didn't get married until uh, he, he was in his mid-30s. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I, I know, but, like, that's the, th- that's the thing. That's the normal. Right everywhere else it's it's like this intermountain west culture that we have built around like mary young right the only thing that i want to get into well i would like to have kids but i don't want to be 40 when i have kids that's the biggest thing i don't want that either i don't want that age that huge age separation Um, i'm empty do you need some juice sure um, so I don't want the big age separation. So that's one thing. But my mom's big argument with this is like, just go on one date. It's just one date. And my counter to that is it's, it's seven hours. Well, not even driving. that, but if you're not looking for a relationship, 
then why like, go? Why even bother? Yeah. And it's not it's not organic. It's like set up by our parents. It's like some freaking old it, school it, culture. It's like a it's like the arranged marriages from back like in the day. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel about it. And I don't want that. You want to keep marriage traditional, then don't call it traditional marriage unless it's being done to unite two rival fiefdoms. Well, yeah, she's <laughs> like, you guys have so much in common. I'm like, that's step one I don't want. I don't want somebody somebody that has a ton of stuff in common with me. That's... that's uh, if it's too in common, it's a problem. I don't want to date me. That would be awful. Yeah? Yeah. I wouldn't want to date someone that's exactly the same as myself. That would suck. That that defeats the whole purpose of being in a sustainable relationship. There's a Seinfeld episode about that. Yeah? Yeah. Like, he's he's dating a girl, has his same initials, likes all of the same shit he does. And they're like, you just found a, a woman version of yourself and you're dating her. Yeah. And then it starts fucking with his head and like, yeah. Yeah, it's I weird. Mean, Seinfeld, like, honestly, uh, I think it's better than Friends. Pro- yeah. I mean, sitcoms back then, that was the height. That was the top. I, I miss when, because now, nowadays that comedy is too clean, I guess, for people to keep their attention posted yeah. on it. It's too, like, innocent comedy. Yeah, because, like, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, um, yeah. uh, Home Improvement. It it just can't happen now, and it's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, but like Seinfeld Feld was literally a show about nothing. It was like just a show yeah. about these people living in New York um, that like did their jobs, and it was about the bullshit of their jobs. Yeah, and it's great. I <laughs> love that. I love the premises of those. It's the same thing with Home Improvement. It's about a guy who hosts a TV show about improving your home and everything he tries to fix, he makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. Gold. And he yeah. always goes, ah! Yeah. And he has that signature. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Allen is a, yeah. I loved, I do like Tim Allen. If there's one celebrity that I actually kind of admire, it's him for sure. Yeah. Because he, he is so unfiltered when it comes to his, uh, his like beliefs and whatnot. I mean, he's in center of Hollywood and he's a pretty conservative guy, but he doesn't care that he gets ridiculed for it. So he like doubles down on it. And no matter what he believes, I respect that he sticks to his guns in spite of everyone else around him being the opposite. Right. Like he goes on Fox news and stuff and you know, his friends probably don't think too highly of that, but at least he sticks to his guns. So, yeah, I I don't know. Um, I look back on stuff like that, and it's just like, like I honestly, if this quarantine shits over by Christmas time, mm-hmm. I'm going to have a festivus celebration at this house. Yeah, the big pole, the aluminum pole, yeah. feats of strength. Yeah, meatloaf dinner. Yeah, do it. I want to. I really, really want to. Yeah, I've been uh, browsing around at house rentals recently. Yeah. And you would be surprised how big of a difference a house here is, rental, versus in like St. George. The price is astronomically different. Yeah. Like here, if I'm looking at like a 
three bed, two and a half bath, twenty two to twenty four hundred, somewhere in there. St. George, twelve hundred to fifteen hundred. Which is mm. bananas. <laughs> uh so I have actually been considering it, although I'd still have to make weekly commutes here for one, the podcast, and two, because the job that if I get this job that I've been applying for, then it's fully remote. So it gives me a little bit of flexibility. Yeah. To kind of station up where I want. And the houses in St. George don't have lawns. It's all rock and uh it's like gravel desert. Stuff. And also bark. Yeah, zero scaping is what it's called. Yeah, there's backyards, but there's not really a front yard, which appeals to me. I like the idea of very little maintenance. I, I, I kind of want to do that here, but Liz doesn't want to do it. With the rocks? Yeah, like it's because you can make it look good. Like you could make it look really good. Especially but. a combo of bark and rocks. You can do the bark and then like actually have an outline of rocks as a pathway. Yeah. Flagpole. One of my scout leaders said that. I thought it looked really unique. Yeah. There's a house on uh, the street over from us that is, like, entirely zero-scaped, and it's got, um, like, pink granite as the yard, which is from the Mojave Desert, but, like, they have, like, even all the plants in the front yard are um, drought-resistant plants. Okay. It looks a little unkempt right now, but I'm sure they just have to get out and do their spring, like, trimmings and stuff. But, like, they have a Joshua tree in their front yard and some cacti and stuff. And in the summer, it looks really nice. Yeah, it's in, down in St. George, Washington area, because there's Washington, Utah as well, right next to it. Which It gets confusing down there. There's St. George, Washington, Santa Clara, which is also in California. Uh, but there's a lot of turf, a lot of golf turf. Right. Front lawns. And I don't mind that. Um, There's a guy over here that lives by the park. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, I guess. Uh, has a fucking putting green in his backyard. That's pretty cool, actually. That's actually pretty cool. I like that. Um, but, yeah, I don't... I, I was just surprised how different. Like, geologically, it's a three-and-a-half-hour drive, and the price difference is astronomical. Well, it's the same going up to Rigby. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Three-and-a-half hours in the opposite direction, but it's the same price difference. The problem is state taxes are higher there. You well, go, and you're in Rigby. Yeah, well, you could go to, like, Ammon or somewhere that's tucked away, but state taxes here are 5%. There it's 6.75%. They actually dropped here. I think they're 4.7% now. So that, I mean, that adds up. That does add up. If you take 5% of your income, that's actually the payment difference about what it would be from living closer to Utah. And plus, Utah has its perks. Utah has a lot better uh, geography for skiing, especially for climbing, for hiking. Utah is far superior, at least south Utah. I'd say all of Utah. I mean, like, yeah, like, I mean, northern Utah, you have the Rockies, southern Utah, you have like red rock and sand stone. Oh, that's I'm sorry. I misspoke. I mean, uh, southern Idaho, southern Idaho compared to northern Idaho is a different ball game because you're getting into Canada territory at that point. 
And it's more it's more like if you go to the tip of Idaho where the little like the, the like panhandle. Yeah, where the panhandle is, it's trees, it's forest, it's the Coeur d'Alene Lake. Um you have Spokane, Washington right next to it. It's not it's not just like farmland, which is what most of Idaho is. That's true. Uh Idaho is a it's a beautiful state and there's a lot to do there, the, but um I still have to go up to City of Rocks there. Oh, uh, the uh, uh, Craters of the Moon? Well, not just Craters of the Moon, but City of Rocks is like a climbing hot spot. Mm, okay. And it's just a bunch of, like, granite structures that have, like, had the rock and dirt from around them eroded. Okay. And it's tons and tons of climbing. So. Yeah, it's a. it really is a pretty state, depending on where you go. It's got some of the most beautiful, untouched um, outdoors areas i guess like mm-hmm. if you get up into outer boise a little bit outside of boise it's really pretty up there and boise's blowing up too i i know a lot of locals from idaho don't like that but it it's, is what uh, it is it is what it is yeah boise is uh i mean on- honestly uh the boise pocatello areas are probably gonna look like salt lake valley soon See, Pocatello is interesting because so if you take I-15 up north, it splits off to the east and it splits off to the west. So if you take the east route, you get to Pocatello and that's probably about two hour, two and a half hours from here. And then Boise is actually in the opposite direction. But Pocatello um, is it's right next to a town called Chubbuck and they've kind of merged into one area and then you have idaho falls which is blowing up huge um but boise is is actually outpacing salt lake and as far as growth tech companies are moving there as well yeah but i what i'm saying is like how you said that there's those two municipalities that kind of their borders are yeah like hazy at this point that's what happened here yeah like when i was a when i was a kid um there was like a distinct difference. Like there was almost a DMZ in between West Jordan and Taylorsville or, you know, this city and that city. And right. now it's just all populated and it's yep. all developed. See, and Yeah. Pocatello and Chubbuck have been that way for about six, seven years, I would say. It's not because it, it, outside of that, it's desolate again until you get to Blackfoot, which is probably another 30, mi- 30 minutes out. And then outside of Blackfoot, you start getting into like down. No, it goes Downey. So it goes Pocatello. No, Downey, Pocatello, Blackfoot, Idaho Falls, Ammon. And those two are getting, those are probably the two biggest ones that are growing so fast that the local infrastructure can't keep up. Like the traffic is probably worse than here because it's a small town with a lot of people in it. But they all suffer from bad heroin problems. Which I don't find here as much. I don't know. Uh, being at the jail, I, um, I, I see mostly drug offenses. Yeah, that makes but sense. Again, like that's it, it's hard to say because you're looking at a a smaller percentage of the population, and they're being brought in because they're they're breaking the law. You know, like, it's not like you're walking down the street seeing it. Like, you're working in an area that all of these people 
that are part of that culture are being brought to. Right. So it, it it's like being like, oh yeah, Catholicism's a huge religion. Right. It's like, well, I don't see that. And then you go and work in the Vatican. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's right. like Catholics everywhere. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, a big part of Idaho is that they resent change a lot of the time. So, I mean, the mayor's there. They don't get, they hardly get any funding for anything. It's very run down. It's very, uh, it's still very rural, I would say, uh, in comparison. But it's uh, the heroin problem is really bad. The police build rapports from the people that they actually encounter because they, they build a rapport with the community pretty well because the towns are still so small that there's like four or five cops for the whole thing. And they, the people that they go after tend to be repeat offenders and they know who they are. They know where they live. Like Aaron. Yeah. It kind of becomes, it really does kind of become a, not a bullying thing, but the police develop like a prejudice against a few people. And then if they get pulled over, they're like, Oh, you again, you must be doing this. And, uh, it's, it's a, it's a kind of a different life, I guess. I'm glad I'm out of it though. Cause I feel like moving into a big city as strange as it sounds, you get left alone more. Uh, yeah. People are too busy worrying about their, their life to, yeah, you don't really run into, like, the same people over and over again. Yeah. It's not constant. Like, you go to the same grocery store. There was only one grocery store in my hometown. So, like, you would run into everyone you know at that grocery store constantly. Yeah. it's. I mean, I live probably less than two miles away from my best friend as the crow flies. I never see him at the grocery store. Yeah. Because um, there's so many. There's, like, six within two miles. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I don't know which one he goes to. I know the one I go to. Right. But, and they're all 24. Well, not all of them, but they all go to like midnight almost. Not yeah. in the current situation, but. Yeah. Yeah, but like, this is a guy I've known since I was 10 years old. Fourth grade. Third or fourth grade. Somewhere in there. And Yeah. Like, him and I, like, the grocery store I go to is halfway between his house and my house. And. I yep. never run into him there. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, it's a I think it's a perk of living in the city. There's a couple good things. Like you can kind of be to yourself and gossip won't surround your life cuz that's all people in my hometown had to do. Like if you were doing art or whatever, like you do here, it would spread around town really quick. I don't see in that particular situation how that would be bad. Well, if somebody came over and saw your art and they thought it was strange or a little bit weird for their taste, they would formulate like, oh, he makes really weird art, really strange, weird stuff. And then that would circulate, mm. introducing that prejudice towards your art as a whole. Whereas here in cities, people tend to be a little bit more open-minded because it, it's a conglomerate of people that want to, Kind well, of, you have more immigrants. You have like yeah, there's more culture. Yeah, there's there there's varied culture. Yeah, um, and yeah, but you know, the Chinese restaurants at where I came from, white people worked at. So really, oh yeah, it Lots wasn't of, like the Dragon Island or no. whatever it is. There's a here. couple like the owner or whatever, but for the most part, it's just older white women. 
And uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that dragon um, place. I forget what the name of it is. I know it's dragon something. over Dragon by, Isle. Dra- dragon Isle? Yep. By Smith's. Yep. They make some good food, man. But everyone in there is definitely Chinese. From like the yep. hostess to the cook. Yeah. You they know. they have the new star restaurant in Rigby. I highly recommend it. They they have uh there are some good Chinese restaurants if you go into Idaho Falls. You have uh Happy's, which actually made the top fifty in the United States for Chinese food. Okay. Really good. Those are all Chinese people. And that's what I want, really. Um so you get a little burst of you want real hardcore Chinese food go to Chinatown outside of Seattle go to Wuhan not just well obviously if you're in China yeah but uh like in in, uh Chinatown outside of Seattle Washington Mm -hmm. uh the menus are in Chinese like yeah that's cool you you don't even know what you're ordering unless you can read Chinese or have someone interpret it for you that's cool and uh there used to be a restaurant here like that. I don't know if it still exists. It was over down by the uh, Gateway Mall. Um, and they, like, bring the stuff out, and it's on, like, this rotating t- thing in the middle of the table, and it's, like, all family style. You Like, everyone orders what they want. Uh-huh. And then, like, you just share all of it. Yeah, that's how Red Ginger is. Um, I think I pointed it out to you one time, or I think it's called Red Ginger, where you buy your entrees, and then if you order someone the same thing as the person next to you, the waiter will actually say, he already ordered that. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. So I order something different, and they actually just lay trays down on very something very similar to this, and it, like, spins around. Yeah. And you all share the same thing. Yeah, and I remember one of the people I was with ordered chicken's feet, and I was like, what Ugh, the yeah, fuck? Yeah, I'm done with that. I would, uh, like, I... Uh, I drew the line, dude. I don't even know how you eat that. It's not a very meaty. There was a hard line in the sand right there for me. I was like, I don't like, I don't know what to do with this. When it comes to food, I'm not the most cultured person. And Cody gives me crap about this all the time. But if a Chinese person comes here, they complain about our food. Why can't I complain about theirs? They, They think we like eat this disgusting, fatty, it tastes awful. And I just view the same thing about octopus. Yeah. Like raw octopus, like not cooked, like calamari or something different. Yeah. But if we're talking about like they serve the squid and it's like. It's still kind of moving. Yeah. And they cut off and it's slimy. I just don't want to. I don't want to eat that. I'd go to McDonald's all day. Sadly, I'd probably go to KFC if I was in Japan at least one day. Um, Well. When I was in uh, Ukraine, like, even though they're, like, a European nation, just, like, the dietary differences there and, like, how they prepare food and stuff, it's, like, I asked, like, what are we having for breakfast? And my friend was, like, oatmeal. And I was, like, oh, okay, I know what oatmeal is. And it wasn't, like, our oatmeal. Was it, like, English style where it's, like... Really mushy, or it's like no. A, it was literally cracked buckwheat. Really, that interesting. Has been steamed. Interesting. So, it, like, it's it's all, you know. And I was like, I don't like this. Yeah. This is this fucking like it's nasty. 
It it was super bland, and like you had to chew on it for ten minutes per bite, and it's just like whatever, you know. But then you find ways to work around that. You're like, I'm gonna put a big ass spoonful of butter in this and some salt. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just mix it all together until it's yeah palatable. But right, like it's weird how different I argue against English food, even though I'm English. I hate English food. I think it's nasty. Like capers. Yeah, it's like all this stuff. They like bread, but it's like butter. It, it, they put so much butter on everything. Beans and toast is a popular breakfast item. I, I think English Some food fingers is fingers and mash. English food is the result of a bunch of drunk people destroying their brain cells and then making food. I also think it's the result of. Uh, no offense for you people in the no, UK. No, but I, I I also think it stems from uh, how things used to be run over there. Yeah. Where like you had like a feudalistic system, right? You had literal literally the term landlord comes from over over right. there. Yep. You you had landlords. You had barons you had all this stuff and like the higher you got up the chain the the, probably the more palatable your food was but right like if if you're a peasant working in the field it's like well i'm only allowed to keep x amount for myself to feed me and my family right how do i take care like how, how do i stretch this and make it go as far as possible and then that's when you start coming up with uh, like minced meat pies. Yep. And, yep. Uh, you know, then uh, it becomes tradition over a long period exactly. of time. Exactly. And it's just like, well, I had to give all of the beef I took off this cow to the king or the landlord or whoever, right. but I still need to eat something. So haggis it is. Right. You, you know, know, people don't realize how amazing this country is for that reason in the sense that this house in the UK would cost 3 million quid like easily. Yeah. And even getting a mortgage is so hard. If you're a multimillionaire, it's hard to get a mortgage still um, because it's, it's just, it's all owned. It's everything is owned. And, and that's another thing too, is like um, also England, like, they have very ancient roots. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go back to the Celts and stuff and like people have been living there for a long, long time. So when they discovered the new world, they basically found new resources. Yeah. The quote unquote new, new world and the colonies was like, holy shit, there's tons of timber over here. Right. We've chopped down every forest on our island. Right. Yeah. You know, we've mined every ounce of coal. Yep. That we could out of our island. Right. And and so, like, that was a huge part of, like, the imperialism, like, movement to, in England was, like, we need resources, so we're just going to expand and claim everything as our own. Yeah. So. My, uh, my French teacher, who was also the baseball coach, he, uh, he's been over to Europe a lot, and he told me that London... England in whole is a great place to visit, but it's like a museum. Like, you'd never want to live there. 
it's it, the, the living conditions are so drastically different from here and they're actually so much more restricted than they are here and a lot of the times that's why they they drink so much in england so so much yeah it's pretty common to like the pub is a family affair yeah it's it's like pretty common getting being like blackout drunk on the weekend is totally acceptable widespread no one's gonna have an intervention with you unless you're like a teenager and getting blackout but if you're an adult getting blackout drunk it's totally normal over there so so there's a few friends of mine that I uh, come to mind. Maybe you should move over there. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, there's actually a a guard at the jail that's um, English, and he like straight up like from England. Yep. And I was like, I, and so I I I learned that about him. Like I I knew that from the accent, but. I actually kind of talked to him and got to know him a little bit. And I was like, if I'm going to go over there, right? like this is the stuff I'm interested in. How do you suggest I go about it? And he was like, rent a car. Um, He's like, Ma- first of all, map out where you want to stay. Look uh-huh. up Airbnbs in that area. Stay there for two or three nights at a time and rent your own vehicle when you fly in. And just return it when you give, get back, like get back to the airport. Yeah. And I was like, okay. He's like, don't, don't like try to do the hotel route or the tour route. Like, right. Find out what it is you want to do, because I mean, there's a fuck ton of history over there. Yeah. And that's what interests me. Like, my buddy went to the Tower of London, and he was like, eh. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, how could you be that way about the Tower of London? Right. There's a lot of cool things. Europe you know, is very cool in a lot of sense. When you go over there, once the virus calms down, uh, you can go to the other countries. You can take the trans system, or yeah, 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 yeah. You can take the trains, and and the public transportation is so much superior than it is here. Oh, absolutely. And you can just kind of like spend a day in Paris, and then you can go down to, you know, Spain or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's a day's trip like you can experience a lot over there and a big thing people overlook especially in the summer in france is camping that's a big way to save money over there yeah there's a lot of people that go over there and they like backpack or bike and they just kind of camp on the side of the road and it's fine i think uh, it's acceptable one of our french classes we were tasked with like two thousand dollars for two people to make a two-week trip and it's actually pretty easy if you split up. And now Airbnb wasn't a thing back then, but even through hotels, going to camping, um, doing various things to like actually manage the money, you can easily do $2,000 a person. Now now with the airfare, it's a little bit harder, but we're becoming an international airport here very shortly. There's already direct flights from Salt Lake to Paris. Yeah, and then the flights dropped like six hundred dollars, and it's or five hundred dollars. Lately, they've been lately. Yeah, they've been less than that because of this whole coronavirus thing. I have a friend who's a uh, um, flight attendant, or yeah, I guess yeah, flight attendant, Mm -hmm. and she, she was talking about it the other day on social media. She's like, you know, we're 
we're still here, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I can't imagine how that industry's suffering right now. Oh, yeah. They're, just, they're a big part of that bailout that just happened. Yeah, just hemorrhaging money. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm all for international travel and stuff. But, like, right now with this COVID thing, it's a different time. And it's, like, a different situation. And it's, yeah. like... Um, if any of the conspiracies that you've been reading are true, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like hitting a reset button yeah, and driving everything back down to where it should be. Not only that, like what it is, but if this is true, imagine a world where we're not divided by race. We're not divided by war. We're not divided by all of these things that people in power have been keeping us divided by for so long. That it becomes nothing but uh, the amount of energy we waste on hating each other could be put to work. And if we all appreciated each other. Colonizing Mars. Yeah, for sure. Or, I mean, even the simplest things like now we appreciate more the farmers that are growing the food, the truck drivers that are driving it across the country. The people Um, checking you out at the grocery store, like ringing you up at the grocery store. And that's a big hope that I, I really hope this 10 days of the internet going down happens because without Influencers the internet aren't going to be a big deal anymore. Well, even then we're going to, we're going to realize what matters again. If you can't get on the internet to share an opinion and people validate that opinion, you're forced to be face to face with other people, with other people and yourself. You can't self validate. If you can't go on, if you, if you have an opinion and you need to go on social media to get that validated, it's probably not even your own opinion. So I, I think it's going to force a lot of people to kind of look in the mirror, think, okay, what do I believe? You know, are my friends actually coming to my house and knocking on the door to see if I'm okay? Oh, they're not doing that. Are they really my friends? I will counter with this. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the, before I move forward with that, I think this is the model we need to embody moving forward. Is like this tit, uh, like tit for tat thing. Um, you can't take what Caden just said in the uh, light of um, like, oh, my friends aren't coming to my house and checking on me because of this whole social isolation thing, right? And um, you know, like. In some countries, there's curfews and shit. At least I've heard. I can't substantiate that. But, like, you know, um, it's really, like, are people reaching out to you in general? Yeah. But how would they reach out? I mean, they can still call. If it's calling, that's fine. I'm okay with Okay, Calling, texting. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I, I still wish we were at a place where everyone had a call. Yeah. I do wish that. I, I miss that. I think that does have a more impact than a text. But unfortunately, we've moved past that. And, I'm sorry, uh, Denver. It's not comedy. Yeah, well. I'm going to keep pointing that out. Yep. <laughs> uh, Denver, go fuck yourself. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just uh, I wish we were at a point where we can call each other again where people can just call and like have a conversation or just check up. Cause that's dude. 
um, like, I don't know. I don't know if this still happens in the dating world or not, but, like, when I first started seeing Liz, mm-hmm. if I wasn't with her yeah, and I wasn't busy, I would call her, and I'd talk to her for, like, hours, and I don't know if that still happens or not. Not really. Really? No, it's a texting thing, and it's like, especially with the social medias, it's a manipulation, mind games. Oh, he left me on red. He read my message and didn't message me back. What does that mean? Oh, he messaged me. Well, since he did that to me, I'm going to do that to him. It's it's so... It's like, well, maybe he had... Maybe he looked at his phone and read it, but didn't have time to respond. Or right. maybe she looked at her phone and read it and didn't have time to respond. Right. And now it's funny because now men do that in in particular in in return. It's games. It's all these little femboys uh, decide to, you know, play these games too. And the lack of uh, the only games I'm into is baseball. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And there's no crying in baseball. There's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people walking around to claim to be men who don't know what it means to do so. They don't check in on their families. They don't. Oh, okay. I'm going to argue with you on this. Okay. Because you, at points in the past, have said, you know, it's it's a... It's an XY chromosome, XX chromosome thing that distinguishes you from being a man or a woman. Yeah. Acting, acting like one. I'm, I'm not saying being, you know, what, okay. what you are. I'm saying you claim to be a man, act like one. There, I think there are certain traits that you should aspire to, to go after. One is self-improvement. Um, you need to constantly be reevaluating yourself. I think everyone should do that. Everyone should do. You're correct. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. But also being the person that puts the first foot forward and saying I need to do something I don't want to do. I need to do that. We missed that aspect as a society. It's not a, even a gender thing. I need to do this to get where I want. I don't want to do that. But I need to do that to get where I'm going. And that's right. what's missing nowadays. And it pisses me off. It really pisses me off when I hear, you know, friends of mine who are guys who are like, yeah, but it's so hard. And I I just am having a hard time. Are you referring to the one that dresses up? No. No. This is a lot. This is a lot of men in the millennial age who are like, you know, they need to. You Do know, you fall in the millennial age group? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Because I feel like uh, it, it's weird. I fall in the millennial age group, too, and I'm almost 10 years older than you. Mm-hmm. It, it's like that to me is not okay. Like, and there, Well, there's not any science behind generational things anyways. You can't really define a, a generation um, besides what we grew up around and—, and Basically, if you can remember, my dad's considered a boomer, and he was like, "I, I don't consider him that." Yeah. So, it, according to the timeline, it goes boomers, Gen X, uh, and then millennial, right? And then Gen Z. Now, Gen Z tend to be like, see, and I think you're on the cusp of like millennial Gen Z. 
Um, it's possible. I, I, I think that's where you fall. And I think I fall on and uh, what I've chose chosen to dub X Lennial. Yeah. That's but where I think I fall. Millennial I think you, you fall more on the millennial side, not the Gen Z side, and I think I fall a little bit onto the Gen X side. And so like I've Gen X means you grew up mostly without the internet. Yeah. For the most part, like throughout most of your adult life, you grew up without the internet and was introduced to the internet and have an understanding of the internet. Millennials exist in a position where their childhood may have not had the internet and got introduced at a young age. And Gen Z have never seen life without the internet. So then I fall into the millennial category, even though I didn't really get internet in my home until I was about 14 or 15. Yeah. So, I had to go to the library to do schoolwork and shit. Yeah, no, I still came from like floppy disks and like you had to have floppy disks at, at school and whatnot. And it wasn't like the internet wasn't really a thing like how it is. I, I remember when websites were still like, and this is when I was in high school where websites were like old school. They had that old school look and there was like fireworks on the website and like, crappy little graphics and uh they looked like forums or something they, they didn't it looked like 4chan does yeah 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 it, it just looked like text it was just information and uh even when i was young like we didn't really have i mean computers were around the internet wasn't around what it was like today by any means there wasn't no streaming services like you could stream movies and do you remember when netflix first came out do you remember yeah. what their model was mm, i don't remember the motto because i didn't really care not the motto the model uh M-O-D-E-L. yeah yeah it was it was getting shipped discs yeah you would get dvds it wasn't a streaming it, service yeah they mailed it to you and you mailed it back and then redbox took over that and that's when gamefly came out and um yeah gamefly yeah yeah, no, I, I definitely remember that. I remember when VHSs were still, like, you would go to the grocery store and they had a VHS section and you would rent the VHS for between a dollar and three dollars. That was my first job. Yeah. That yeah. was literally my first job. And you could find people if they didn't rewind it or whatever. That was, like, straight up, that was my first job, dude. I had to call people. Like, they're like, here's a list of the late ones. Yeah. You need to call them. Yeah. If they don't answer by five or six rings, just hang up. Okay. Yep. Blockbuster, Hollywood video. Uh, Yeah. No, I I remember that very intently because that was like the highlight of my youth. It's like, oh, we're going to this place to rent video. Like media was more valuable back then. Movies were more valuable. I I used to love going to Blockbuster. Yeah, me too, because it was an event. It wasn't like you could just go on and scroll through endless titles and choose whatever one you want. We don't appreciate it as much because it's instant. Yeah, like when I went, when I would go to Blockbuster, I'd spend an hour there looking through all the different... Looking at the backs of the... Yeah. Yeah. And And then you didn't know if it was shitty or not. You didn't know... Yeah, there was no star rating on it. You had to yeah. trust Siskel and Eber, dude. Yeah, and go ask the guy <laughs> at the front. <laughs> and 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 then you like bought your snacks there too. Yeah. Yeah, the earliest I remember is you could rent N64 games as well. So I would have had to been like 3 or 4 cuz N64 came out in 1995, same year I was born. See, I 
I remember a time before that, but um, did they do SNES rentals? They had to have, right? I don't know about Blockbuster and all that, but we had Hollywood Video up in Idaho. Uh, I don't remember. Um, to be honest, like, uh, I I grew up with an NES. And I remember when we got the SNES, um, and then, uh, like, my first video game rental I remember was for the PlayStation. Okay. I remember when the PS3 came out, and it was $600 for the 20 gig model. And uh, we, we talked about that on the bus, and that's where the console wars started with Xbox and PlayStation. I remember that intently. But, uh, yeah, interesting times. I don't remember where we're going with the whole millennial thing, but... Well, I just asked you where you think you fall. Yeah, no, I'm definitely considered a millennial in the sense that I remember a time. I remember a time where there was not internet, and I remember a time where there was internet. So... The 2000s, I mean, 98, 99 is like when it started kicking off. Yeah, see, and I I was almost all the way through high school by the time I got internet in my yeah. house. Um, I didn't get a Facebook until I was probably 15, 16, and it had uh, been out I, for a long time. I was 18. Yeah. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. I remember seeing my cousin's MySpace and thinking, this thing is stupid. Like, I didn't... The only reason I got a Facebook was to add a friend for a girl I had a crush on at the time. <laughs> it's the only reason I got a Facebook. I, I got one to communicate with my friends in Ukraine. Okay. So, it was, yeah, back then it was about communication. It wasn't about social status and, like, posting about yourself. and. Yeah, like, I, I went over to Ukraine and I made all of these friends... And unfortunately, only, I only, like, talk to, like, three of them now. Yeah. And I was like, how am I, like, I want to keep in contact with you. And they were like, well, here's my email address, but no one ever keeps in contact once they go back to the States. And I was like, I'm I'm different. Yeah. And Pen uh, pals. I remember that shit. And, and, oh, uh, yeah. And my, my friend uh, Svetlana, uh, she was like, well, here's my email address. I was like, okay. First thing I did when I got off the plane and back home in Salt Lake is I emailed her. And I was like, how's this for not emailing? Yeah. I can't remember exactly what I wrote. And then that kind of stayed. Uh, like we, we kept communicating that way. Yeah. And... uh Probably. Sorry. Um, but, like, then then she was like, oh, do you know what Facebook is? And I was like, no. Yeah. Like, I'd never even heard of it. Right. Like, I had a MySpace. Yep. And she was like, oh, it's like MySpace, but better. <laughs> yep. And I was like, okay. Turned out to be worse. And so I made a Facebook account, and that's how I kept in contact with these people. 
but you know, fuck, dude. Going on 20. Jesus Christ. I didn't even realize that. 20 years? Going on 20 years. Yeah, that's a crazy feeling. I've known Simon for almost 22. No, almost 22 years. Yeah. And, and so these guys I've known for 16. Yeah. That's fucking nuts. That is crazy. I remember, uh, like, my dad used to tell me, oh, I've known your uncle, like, quote-unquote uncle, like a family friend, for 30 years. And I'm like, how the fuck is that possible? I couldn't wrap my head around it, yeah. you know? So, and here I am, staring down the barrel of uh, one friendship that's going on 22, 23 years, and an, another fan- friendship going on 16-plus Yep. You I've known for, what, since 2016? Yeah, so like four years. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. Time goes by way faster the older you get. I remember... I'm going to fall asleep. It's going to be 2023. I remember 2013. I remember when a year would... I remember when it turned 2008. I remember when it turned 2003. I remember... Because years felt forever back then, and now they just fly by. I mean, we're halfway, not halfway, we're a quarter of the way through. Yeah, this one. This year. And this one's been a fucking disaster, but. <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a different story. Uh, it's just very fast, very fast paced. And uh, yeah, I always wondered, I still don't understand how older people are like, oh, I remember. 1982 I was at this place like how do you remember the exact year um they relate it to their age because I can do the same thing right but if I were to say without you even thinking about it what age were you in 1996 I I have to think about it right and these people can just be like oh I was 13 my friend was uh Milligan Holigan he lived down on 42nd he like I would have been eight I think, I think the internet has ruined that ability to have that that recall. Yeah, because now you have to. Let me check my Facebook timeline. When was this picture taken? Because for me, like I think back, it's like I know I was about nine or ten years old mm-hmm. in 2010, right. which is when I met Simon. It's also the year I cut off the tip of my finger, and and so like I'm like okay, I was born in '88. I was about 10 years old when I cut off the tip of my finger. That'd be 98. Like, that's like how right. I... Assume. You have to kind of relate it to I, things. I, yeah, it's it's association. I think... I graduated in 2006. Okay. I joined the military in 2009. Like, so it's like, you know, um, it, and this is going to sound terrible, but if not for me, join, like, remembering the year that I left for basic training... I won't know how long Liz and I have been together. Okay. Yeah. Because I met her just months before I went to basic training. So that's like the correlation. It's like, oh, I've been with my wife for 11 years, married for nine. Yeah. But the correlation in my mind is I left for basic training in 2009. I married her in 2011. But, you know, like that's, yeah, you know. 
So I, I think it's kind of like they do that, but they're just faster at it. That makes sense. And they've probably thought about it. They have time. They're out of that generation of being involved in the internet that they have more time to think about past experience. Yeah. They're not and as that's entwined. That's actually in a stage of Ericsson's development. It's, uh, it's, um, what is it? It's like generativity versus regret. I can't remember. Uh, but it's like the last stage of development for Ericsson. Mm. Um, which is a psychosocial development thing. Okay. Uh, so. Eric Erickson. Yeah. So you have trust versus mistrust, autonomy versus shame and doubt, initiative versus guilt, industry versus inferiority, identity versus role confusion, intimacy versus isolation so the people you're talking about right now is generativity versus stagnation and slightly mixed in with integrity versus despair now this is interesting because this is all relative right so years years are relative yes to to human beings so this is my theory dogs live shorter lives therefore do they develop wisdom faster and can we learn from the wisdom of dogs because in theory, dogs per year you are alive, a dog ages seven years. So if right. you experience three years, you know, does that correlate to your dog experiencing 21 years relatively? And I think, yes, I think dogs gain wisdom faster um, <clears throat> than humans do because it's, it's all relative. There's no real, we've defined what time is. Right. They experience their days are di- we they they perceive days probably differently than we do. Yeah. Every time they wake up from a nap or whatever is probably different. Right. So in relative perspective, Uzi will hit 65 before I do. Right. Does he have a greater understanding of life because his I and I'm assuming a lot of it is hormonal balances and basically mental degrade in into understanding what life is actually about do they understand that faster uh possibly i think a lot of it also is is like as you go through these uh these stages yeah um like trust versus mistrust is basically like, did your parents take care of you during this first 18 months of life? Right. Like if you had a need, did they meet that need? If you have trust issues, it goes back to the first 18 months. Right. Um, Autonomy versus shame and doubt. Like, did you learn how to manipulate your world by yourself or were you constantly in fear of like upsetting someone initiative versus guilt? Same, like kind of the same thing industry versus inferiority like how well do you work with other people versus like do you just sit on the sidelines and let things pass you by um identity versus role confusion like do you know who you are or do you not know who you are right and so like you were unemployed when you first got uzi so you spent what like the first six months of his life Right? Yeah. Pretty right. much right. He was with me everywhere. So so this is like super developed, this trust versus mistrust. Yeah. But you probably spread into this area where um, like 
he was he should have been not developing autonomy, but you were still home and did everything and took care of everything for him. Right. And and think of this six months would equate to three and a half years of a dog's life. Exactly. So I was, I was with him until basically he was four in human years. So initiative versus guilt. Yeah. But like, really it was these two and like, basically this got skipped. So this was developed, and then this level got skipped, and now you're expecting him to be, like, here. Yeah. But he's stuck here. Yeah. Which is Will. Which is interesting. And I think this whole pathway can be fast-tracked. If the whole human population spent an hour a day meditating, this would be fast-tracked. Not only that, you would be able to reconcile previous things that happened to you and That's actually the last stage integrity versus despair. Do you regret your life or not? Right. And I, and, and that inspires wisdom. I think that stage could be hit in half the time if you're self-aware and meditate, uh, as a habit. I think, yeah. I think there is a rare case of people that do have wisdom at a very early on, set time they may be lacking in other points of their life like social aspect and that's fine Mm -hmm. i get told i actually get told a lot that i carry myself differently for a 24 year old when i tell people i'm 24 they say you carry yourself differently but i've given up certain things but it's also because technically you should be in the in, in that stage where you're like in between um looking for intimacy and uh starting to give back to those younger than you so like you're like you're at this in-between phase but like you might have basically leapt forward to a different phase because like one of the previous phase didn't bother you so right instead of being involved in intimacy uh or and or isolation you're you're like past that and you don't care about that anymore right. and now you're like on to the next phase and i think that comes from meditation but it also comes of receptiveness from the people you surround yourself with because if you surround yourself with older wiser people and you're receptive to learning you're going to learn faster uh it's i true. totally believe that if i were to hang out with 65 year olds like at a social aspect of like getting to know them how they view the world I'm going to put myself much farther ahead than my peers that are out partying and. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The insight that you gain from just listening and internalizing is incredible. Like you can learn so much. You can change your life by just changing the people you you're around. Yeah. So Alex, let that be a lesson to you. Yeah. Mr. Uh, Internal affairs. Yeah, so now we're out of vodka. Um, yeah. So we need to correct that probably tomorrow. Yeah, probably. I I mean, like, I don't want to buy it too soon because uh, by the time we record next week, it'll be gone. Mm. Right? Do you think? I don't know. Are you calling me out on something? I am. Really? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Cute. But, uh, um, 
I guess we could move to bourbon-based. I've got plenty of bourbon. Hmm. I just can't do uh, old fashions, unfortunately, right now. Because that involves simple syrup, and that's got a lot of sugar in it. Oh, yeah, I can't do that. They have to make a keto simple syrup with sucralose. Maybe. Someone's got to make that. Let's look it up. Keto simple syrup. Yeah. And to be fair, to be fair, if you're going to call me out for drinking so much, when was the last time you went a month and a half without alcohol? Because mine was less than six months ago. I'm just saying the vodka, man. <laughs> the vodka disappears pretty quick around here. Yeah, um, I'm not an amateur. Um, years. It's been years, and that's okay. That's okay. I'm not in. I'm not in the business of degrading. Look at that. So it's an erythritol. You know what that is? Simple syrup. It's a type of sh- uh, alcohol. Alcohol sugar. Yeah. That's what you have in your ice cream. Yeah. Um, so uh, keto simple sugar, simple syrup. Made from boiling equal parts sugar and water used by bartenders, blah, blah, blah. So I guess you just have to buy it and make it yourself. And to be fair, I want to correct the record. I didn't go a month and a half without alcohol. I went a month without alcohol because I remember it was Halloween night and I walked into the door and we stayed up until midnight. Yeah. So drinking. I'll correct. I'll correct myself. At midnight, I did have 360 vodka. So, yeah, yeah, and uh, but anyway, uh, so you have to make it yourself, you have to make it yourself, but it looks like it's possible. You do distill one cup distilled water, one half cup pure erythritol, and you boil it as thin as water, though still pretty sweet. Add additional sweetness and mouthfeel. So you basically just kind of like mix those two things together, boil them down, uh, and then maybe add a little more erythritol for... God, to have my chemistry degree for this. Yeah. This... I mean... Uh, keto simple syrup. Yeah. There's got to be a company, right? There is a company. Sugar-free simple syrup. Skinnymixes.com. Skinnymixes.com. They, uh... Assuming... Oh, God. Uh, Morty. <laughs> uh, Morty. <laughs> they look like they're a, a place that... Yeah, there we go. Keto skinny syrups. Ketos and naturals. Oh wow, dude! This is this isn't even that expensive. No, it's not. That's not bad at all. Vanilla mocha syrup. Um, they should have salted caramel. That's all they have on there. Get a free bottle. Hurry this. Uh, Looks like an Adam and Eve offshoot. Their website does. Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, Free shipping over $59. Dude, you'd have to buy like 10 
there it is. $5 for a bottle of simple syrup that's uh, keto-friendly. Yeah. Zero calories, zero sugar, zero carbs. Zero science. You don't have to have a chemistry degree. Yep. All right. I'm going to grab a beer because I don't care if I get bitch tits at this point. <laughs> um, oh, I've got to stay the course, man. I've got to stay the course. You do, and I'm proud of you because like, you've kept to it really well. And you know how much I love beer. I do know how much you like love beer. Like, having it in the house is a huge, like, temptation for You me. love beer as much as I love vodka, I think. I love beer as much as I love my wife. Immensely. Yeah. <laughs> beer is a... Yeah, it's... But, yeah, I, I mean, they've got all sorts of... Would you take beer over food, do you think? Like, as far as, like, junk food or, like... Oh, like yeah. cup bop and like things like that. Uh, like if I if I place like a couple of eight oh ones and a cup bop thing in front of me and a beer. Yeah, what one would you choose? Do you think like, like two two eight oh ones or like a cup bop thing? That's a hard one, and that might have been a weakness jab I just did. But yeah, that 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 really is hard for me because like they're both the, cup. I think I'd choose the cup. Well. Dude, that's a hard one. That's really a hard one. I mean, 801 is I mean, it's it's 801. Yeah. Um but also cup bop is cup bop and it's a good place. So many carbs though. 150 carbs a cup. That's a lot of carbs. That's a lot of carbs. <sighs> I'm going to have to take a minute to think about this. Okay, that's like, fine. Like, because I, I genuinely do love both of those things. Um, you could probably make something similar to Cup Bop, like with that keto rice I showed you at the store today. You put the keto rice in there, some veggies. A little bit of chicken. Some Korean chicken, which is pretty easy to make. And then what would you substitute the noodles for, do you think, for keto? You could probably find something. I bet you could make a keto version. I yeah. bet you you could. Um. Anyway, long term, if it was an in the moment, like you can either have this or this, I'd take the cup bop. Okay. Long term, though, it's like you can only pick one of these for the rest of your life. Yeah. The beer. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably do the beer too and eat the keto food because the keto food makes you feel better for the most part. Uh, glycerides go through the roof though. All your other blood chemistry balances out, but your triglycerides just like fucking skyrocket. And I wonder if that's an age-dependent thing too. I don't think so. You don't think so? I'll, no. I'm, I was supposed to go get all my blood work done. I'm going to get it done here whenever this whole thing stops. Uh, so I'll start keto again. I'll do keto for three months because I feel like that's a good enough uh, time frame to do like long-term blood blood work or yeah. for it to actually change the chemistry of my body. So I'll do three months of keto, get all of the blood work done, and then see where we're at. Now, with keto, with my triglycerides going up, I also, if I'm doing strict keto, I'm going to have to monitor sodium as well because most don't monitor sodium. Um, I'm not. Yeah, and as long as you keep your water up, it's fine. 
but most people don't keep your water up their water up um because keto is hard to avoid salt it's very hard to avoid salt bacon and but like i i I know for a fact at this point my a1c is probably way better than it was which is your long-term blood sugar yeah like when are you getting your blood uh done again probably middle of this year okay I, I don't have any reason to check it often, so... Yeah. Like, my plan is to kind of follow in my dad's footsteps here, because uh, he was heavier than me. <laughs> okay. And now he's lighter than me. He did keto for about three months. He stagnated at about the mid-180s in weight loss. Okay. He switched his diet to, like, the recommended diet that you're supposed to have. Yep. Um... Without the carbs, without the carbohydrate part of it. So, like, very low to minimal. Like, yeah. None. Yeah. So, it's like all of his carbs are almost like entirely dietary fiber. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's continuing to lose weight. He's down in the 170s, almost 160s now. He might be in the 160s since I've last talked to him. Okay. Uh, his blood work looks fucking phenomenal. Um, Keto is a is a tool. You should never be on it your entire life, ever, ever, ever. It's a tool. No, because your triglycerides go through the roof on it. Yeah, you need to you need to kick down. So I, anyone who comes to me and asks, "What do I do to lose weight?" I say, "Go on keto. Go on keto for three months. Introduce small amounts of carbs and start working out at that point, because you're going to be able to burn quite a bit of fat just by switching to keto." And maintaining, like, doing nothing, pretty much. You'll lose weight. That's pretty much what I've done. And that, Yeah, that's that's what you should be doing. But it's because uh, it's suppressing my hunger. Right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, I've only had, which is not good for me, and I'm, I tend to correct this before I go to bed, but um, outside of the vodka, which I've probably had about 240 calories worth of vodka, uh-huh. um, I, I've only eaten... 190 calories today and like i'm not hungry yeah i i just eat more because yep. i no, i personally i have to right like in order to and this life the triglycerides being high i would assume that's from because not all fats are created equally yeah saturated fats are going to do that i i can't argue with that that's science unsaturated fats if you're doing a strict keto unsaturated fat i I don't know i haven't seen blood work in someone who's done that because it's a hard diet to do but like a straight diet of eggs and steak which i know can be done because bodybuilders do it uh, i i would need to see the blood work from that however when i tell people to do three months of keto i tell them okay after that introduce a small amount of carbs before and after workout because then you're going to fuel a workout, you're going to burn more calories, and then you're going to replenish the glycogen for the next workout. Um, and, and you tend to have better workouts with carbohydrates. Yeah, um, well, because that's like your fuel. Right. I mean, like that's the fuel that matters when it comes to big muscle movement. Yeah, and then like in my situation, I'm eating more. Like I have some, I packed on some fat, but the amount of muscle – muscular development I have for my skeleton structure is about 10 pounds higher than it is naturally supposed to be because I've done anabolics. Therefore I can get away with eating shittier foods and not gain a shit ton of weight. Um, 
but that comes from musculature development because if you have more muscular development, you can get away with eating more carbs because muscle burns a lot more carbs faster in order to maintain uh, its mass, the mass, right? Yeah. So that's why you can see 260 pound bodybuilders eat six in and out burgers and they still get leaner and leaner and leaner. It's because their body is just processing it as fuel so efficiently. Yeah. But that's, that's the key to weight losses. Eliminate all carbs, do the keto until you stagnate, introduce a little bit of carbs so that you have the energy to burn more energy, uh, and then start building upon a healthy diet with small to moderate amount of carbs, depending on your goals. Now, if you don't want to become a bodybuilder and do high hypertrophy training, you don't really need to do high carbs. There's not really, there's no need for, there's it. no need for it. If you want to build a lot of muscle, there's, there's definitely a need for it, but everyone's goals are differently. I always just assumed everyone wanted to be just huge and like, and no. that's not the case for everyone. No. Some people like to train for endurance. Some people like to train, train for strength. Some people like to train for hy uh, hypertrophy. Everyone's goal is different. So. And for me, it's functional endurance. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to be back into like supreme climbing shape where I can look at it look at a, a route and be like, that's not going to be a problem for me to do. Like, yeah. At least physically, mentally it might be an issue, but right. Physically, I don't want it to be a problem anymore. And I, I want to do power, power, power building, which is a hybrid of bodybuilding and powerlifting. I always respected the strength that power builders had, but I don't like the look of power lifters. The gut. I, I, I don't like how they're fat. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's like football. They're the same as football players. They're yeah. strong. They're impressed, whatever, but they're fat. They're, they're would be technically categorized as obese. I want to be to the point where any musculature I build can be translated into strength. Okay. Str um, and connective tissue. I think connective tissue is the key to longevity. If you strengthen the connective uh, tissue, you build a good amount of muscle. I think Arnold was a great example of it. Strong as hell. The dude, uh, I think he did a curl of like 400, 405 pounds or something like that. In his Single heyday. arm? Like a barbell. Double arm? Yep. Which is insane. But he had the aesthetics. He didn't have like, he wasn't the bubbly guys that you see nowadays. He had the aesthetics. He was strong and he was functional. That's my idea of what an athlete is. So... I, yeah, function, function over, overlooks for sure. I don't yeah. think it does anyone any good if you look like a behemoth, but you can only run, you know, 500 yards or whatever. If that. Yeah. If that, and then you're winded. Yeah. I mean, 500 yards is quite a distance. That's what? Four, four pools. Yeah. Or five football fields. Oh, that's five football fields. Okay. Yeah. I would say a hundred yards then. If you, if you run like 100 yards and you're 100% winded, but you look amazing, like what's the point, man? Like just so you can go on a stage and win a $5 trophy, not worth it. Yeah, yeah. 500 yards is, that's a ways. I mean, like that's, so 5K equates to 3.5 miles. Yep. Um. It, like, I mean, like, that's probably like a... Quarter mile? 
quarter mile. It's like a 400k run. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's it, it's it's pretty like that's an Olympic event. <laughs> See, my idea is that have the musculature look good, but still be able to run for like 15, 20 miles if you need to. It's having the cardiovascular endurance is very important to well, me. Well, and and that's what my brother was telling me. Uh, when I was talking to him, I was like, you know, I just got hired on at the gel. You know, I, I'm i thinking about taking some self-defense training because, like, I, even though I'm medical and most of the guys there don't give a shit about medical, <laughs> like, they're you're just part of the scenery, basically. Like, you come in, you do your thing, you leave, and they don't care. It, it's a higher-stakes environment, and so yeah. I don't want to be caught essentially with my pants down right and he's like dude cardio 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 he's like who like honestly if you just need to run laps around the pod until help gets there like if you're able to do that then you're able to do that right you know yeah and jujitsu will definitely help you with that it's probably one of the most strenuous uh exercises you can do um like and if you get some basics down, like I would love to go through the classes with you if I could afford it right now, but I'll still practice with you for sure. Um, but if you learn a basic arm bar, which is basically just a crank of the arm and putting pressure on it to, to get them to tap or you can break their arm, the triangle, which is essentially wrapping your leg up, capturing it around with their head in between and their arm in between and cranking that. Uh, if you learn some basics, like that you'll be good for the jail but more importantly it's going to improve your confidence and it's going to improve your cardiovascular endurance for sure for sure i wish i would have kept doing it when i was younger but yeah and um yeah i mean for me i i emailed fusion and i was like you know this is what i'm looking for i want to be able to defend myself if i have to but i'm i also just want general yeah health yep and the guy called me back the next day, and unfortunately, I haven't heard back from him since. I don't know if he got sick from this, like, coronavirus or if, like, he's just trying to be cautious or got too busy or whatever. But uh, he was supposed to call me back today at the latest, and he didn't. So I'm going to send another email tomorrow Okay. Uh, and reach out again. But And you'll probably find that you develop really, really good friends. In that environment, too. Yeah, it's like the climbing community, from what I understand. That's like... Yeah, I, w- I would say even a little bit more, because you're constantly failing with somebody. You're in an environment where you're failing 500 times for every single success you have, and you develop this... That That's climbing, though, too. Yeah. Yeah. You but d- you're not actively struggling against another person. Yeah, the, the fact that you're at a point where you can cause serious damage to somebody and be able to tap them and have the trust that they'll release you and practice that over and over and over and over again so that you can develop the confidence in saying, if I'm in this position, I could bring my leg over and, you know, crank it this way and blah, blah, blah. Like learning through experience right, with other people. And from what I've heard and people that have joined the military and gone through the military, They've built similar rapports as being in the military, as in Brazilian Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes. Yeah, um, like it's in tears when you get a belt when you when you when your sensei 
gives you a belt, it's like an emotional experience because it's, I've worked so hard for this. Right. I've put everything on the line. I've sacrificed. Uh, and then all these people are hugging me and congratulating me because I, I got this new belt. Right. Right. So, yeah. And I, I feel like the climbing community is relatively similar because, you know, that's, that, that's something in order to progress. You have to fill a lot of, yeah, you have to fall and fall and fall. Yeah, and and you need the trust that the other person's going to catch you. Yeah, each and every time. Yeah, and it, I don't know. It's like it's pretty. It, it's similar, but it it is different because it's not like actively working against another person. You're working against your environment. Right. But there are parallels there, and yeah, jujitsu's. I I did a role with a jujitsu or a jujitsu role with the high school coach for wrestling. Uh And he was a cheeky, cheap fuck. Cause I, I went to get him for a rear naked choke and he had like, you know, when you're young, you don't have facial hair, but this guy had like the thick old man scruffle. So he just took his stubble and just started sandpapering it into my arm. And when it, but when we're talking about jujitsu, that does not happen. When you're when you're talking about like traditional jujitsu, it's about strategy. It's about if their neck is down, where can I move? Like it, it, I love thinking of it as chess because it's you can you have all of your body parts at your disposal of being like, and you'll see slow rolls, which are basically they take practicing tr- technique. They take turns making moves like chess. So it's like okay, I'm gonna put my arm. And then they say, okay, well, I'm going to do this. And then you say, okay, well, I'm going to wrap around this. So it's it's not active, but in practice environment, you're able to play these like chess type moves. And when you see two masters, two red belts do the slow stuff and being like, okay, I'm putting my leg here. And they're like, okay, I'm going to wrap here. Okay, well, then I'm going to take my other arm. Like, it's, it's incredible to see. And yeah. then when you get into a real life situation, it's instinct. You can just like. Yeah, it. Yeah, but it's all it all comes down to technique mm-hmm. and proprioception, like knowing where things are at and when things are at. I I love jujitsu. I'm happy you're doing it because I think it's an amazing art form. Yeah, and, um, and so like that's I don't know, man. That's uh, that's kind of my my goal is uh, like I I do want to be healthier. Um, but I, I don't want my ass kicked. Uh, yeah. I, I can't. I mean, like, if it's a five-on-one situation, you're getting your ass kicked. For sure. Unless you have a gun. Yeah. It's the best self-defense method by far. And any martial artist will tell you that as well. But um, I can't remember who shared it. But on Facebook, somebody shared uh, security camera footage from within jail or prison. I can't remember which. Uh, two guards got jumped by seven inmates. Yeah, there's it's it's and, rough at that point. And, and it's like if I can just do something, anything in that situation to protect my head from being smashed into the concrete, like these guys had happened to them. Yep. Then, the, like that's what I want. Right. You know, like I I've invested countless time and money into this thing in my head to get a job and a career mm-hmm. 
I don't need that taken away from me because someone decides to stomp on my face. Yeah, and it, it, I think jujitsu is a good option in the sense that you hold yourself to a higher standard because you've experienced so much failure that you have this ability to not show weakness as much. And that's what the inmates jump on. They look for the weakness. They look for a little splinter in which they can exploit. And if you can close down that wall, hold your head high and be like, I'm ready to defend myself, that kind of radiates through your your body language as well as how you hold yourself. So um, I think jujitsu is a good option. I think it's a really good option. I've been wanting to do it for a long time. It's an expensive thing for sure. Yeah, the I mean, I'm looking at spending 150 a month on this. Yeah, yeah, and it's definitely worth it. I but think if it's, I'm going every day that I don't have work, you know, then it it's worth it. You know, even going two three times a week is going to be beneficial. If you go five days a week, you may burn yourself out. Well, I I'd be going like three to four days a week. Yeah, depending. That's it. That's a good match because and then you get to meet up new people because some people go once a week some people go on certain days um i mean even going twice a week for some for most people is will change your life jocko willing said that that somebody asked him what's the what's the best way that i can improve myself and improve my confidence do jujitsu that's it when he got out of seals training he got tapped by a white belt he said he felt degraded he felt all of these things. He's like, even SEALs to this day who don't do jujitsu will get humbled when they get tapped by a low-level jujitsu person because it's a building block for humanity. It's not even just a martial arts. It's right. It's a mental thing. Yeah. So. No, and um, that's the. That's not really why I'm looking at it, but if that comes as a benefit, then it comes as a benefit, you know? Like, yeah. That's kind of, like, I'm okay with that, but... That that was his number one thing for everyone, Jocko. Like, how do I be a better better father? How do I be a better better spouse? Do jiu-jitsu. Do jiu-jitsu. That's and, his go-to thing. And my brother told me to get into that because he was like, because I was like, Dude, I'm thinking about taking some Krav Maga classes because my first of all, like, I know what it is. Yeah. And I know what jujitsu is. Yeah. But I'm like, you know, the, the guys that use this uh, Krav Maga stuff, they're like Israeli commandos. They're in shape. They're badass. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I I really just want the ability to defend myself and be in better shape in general. Yep. And he's like do jujitsu and i said why and he said because 90 percent of fights go to the ground within the first 20 seconds yeah and he said so if you if if you learn how to grapple and roll and 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 stuff he's like that's going to be more beneficial to you than any sort of like standing martial art right and then he said once you're ready to move on from that mix it with uh kickboxing or krav or something like that like yeah. standing up and striking right and i mean it makes a lot of sense the the video that i watched of these two guys these two guards just getting beat up was uh the guard was on the ground in a matter of yeah seconds and yep 
had another had an inmate on top of him plus like the three other inmates around but yep it's like yeah if you look at all the greats in mma almost all of them have a background in brazilian jiu-jitsu the next thing that comes is usually boxing american boxing because that's when you start coordinating head movement a little bit more and defense of the head uh and then it comes i mean for mma it becomes kickboxing at that point because that's by far the most power delivery system in your body. Yeah. Um, but like Khabib, black belt in jujitsu, Conor McGregor, brown belt in jujitsu, uh, John Jones, I think he's a black belt in jujitsu. Uh, it's, it really comes down. I don't think there's ever been a real great that has not had a background in jujitsu. I could be wrong on that, but I don't think there has been. Uh, I mean, if you, you'd have to dig pretty, pretty deep into uh ufc history to find one yeah because ufc literally was like we're just going to take these two different style fighters and throw them in the cage against each other right um like one of the first matches was uh gracie and i don't remember who he was facing off with but he was facing off against a boxer and they're like this boxer needs the ability to grab and grapple so it's like literally they sent him in the ring with like one boxing glove on and one hand free <laughs> And we're like, just fight this guy. <laughs> it's like uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> when McGregor and uh, Mayweather went against each other. If Mayweather would have been in the ring in MMA rules, he would have gotten killed. He would have yes. gotten destroyed. But there's so many technical rules in boxing. Yes. That it, yeah, it's like, a different like, game. Like Mayweather would duck down and like McGregor's like opening. And he'd go to do the hammer fist. Yep. And it's like the, the ref would back him off. Yep. You know, and it's because McGregor has been training for eight eons. Year, eight years or something like eons that. Eons yeah. to, like, look and see different openings. But, like, boxing is a different game. Like, the, the Mayweather-Canelo fight, like, you can see how technical Mayweather <laughs> was because, like, Canelo would throw a punch and he'd get, like, he'd get that shoulder up each time. Like, boom, boom, yep. boom. And he'd... He'd take the hit on his shoulder, and I guarantee you Mayweather's shoulder was, like, swollen, black and blue, and hardly able to move for the next week after that fight, but right. no points were scored. Yeah. You know? he He's arguably the best defensive boxer of all time. Yeah. He is so good in defense. Yeah, he let Canelo punch himself out. He's won more. I think he's more, won more by technical, like, because he's just, he moves. like. Yeah, yeah. And, but like, so like that's Mayweather's style when he got in the ring with Connor. And so he like moves and Connor's like opening and goes to like do a jujitsu move. And the ref's like, no, you need to stop. And they, they gave Connor a lot of leeway in that fight. Yeah, for sure. They're like, cause it, it comes down to muscle memory at a certain point. Right. And so they gave him a lot of leeway, like where most boxers would have been disqualified for trying to do certain things. Yeah. I watched the Pacquiao fight again that guy's crazy pacquiao yeah manny Pacquiao. yeah he's a uh professional boxer but he's also a congressman which is like nuts or he's a government official well that's like my friend who's a marine raider that became a government official yeah yeah or uh tim kennedy he he fights in i don't know if he still fights in mma in the ufc but he's also a green beret or Jesse the Snake Ventura. Yeah. 
Jesse Ventura. I have a, I have a silo in Mexico full of tortillas. I don't have time to plead. <laughs> Take a look at Tower 7. Explain to you me this. Yeah, anyway. Uh, no, Pac- Pacquiao's a good fighter. He's, uh, he's crazy. I, like, uh, saw what he, like, eats a day and what his training regimen is. That man, like, half of his job is eating because he yeah. trains so hard. Right. He, I think he eats somewhere in the realm of, like, 6,000 calories a day. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And he... He burns all of it. Mostly carbohydrates, fellas. At that point, that's carbohydrates right there. Oh, yeah, but he burns all of it. Yeah. He burns every last calorie. Yeah. Not kill a calorie. Every last calorie that he takes in, he burns it for right. sure. Yep. So it's just, uh, yeah, he he's a monster. <laughs> That's where I find it funny when they cross the sports. Like they do, uh, like Brock Lesnar came to the UFC and got his ass just beat for... Because he was a WWE fighter. Yeah, he's an actor. I mean, in the end, he's a big guy. He's a scary guy. I'm sure he can do damage to most people on the street. However, when you're getting in with trained killers... And you know what's funny about that is you go back to the Attitude Era of the WWE, mm-hmm. formerly the WWF back when it was the Attitude like Era. Ric Flair and those type of guys. Stone Cold. Yep. And uh, Undertaker. Triple H, Undertaker, Kane. One guy that sticks out in my mind is Ken Shamrock. Okay. Ken, Ken Shamrock was actually a UFC fighter. Yeah. Like, Ronda legit. Rousey. Ronda Rousey used to be UFC and switched to WWE. Probably because, like, I mean... She's not the, really getting hurt. Yeah, like, the, the physical toll that UFC takes on your body yeah. at some point, you know. I like, love Ronda Rousey. Yeah? Do you know what she does in her free time? Plays World of Warcraft. Really? She's actually a big nerd. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I, I I can't imagine the physical toll that takes on a person after after a while, especially being hit in the head. It's like I mean the concussion rate between that and the NFL's got to be almost similar. Oh yeah, you know what you'll find in the jujitsu community though once you start doing it, ninety percent of them are extreme potheads. Oh, I'm sure. Like it's it's a it it's <coughs> it's a very from what I've heard it's a very spiritual experience. Doing rolling for hours on ends. It's a very spiritual, meditative, get out of the physical realm and into your head. Um, or, I'm sorry, being so... Getting out of your head. Getting man. so out of your head that you're physical, but then that translates to being in your head. So it's like... Uh, yeah, and again, I see a lot of parallels like with what you're saying to the climbing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, the physical I, aspect of, yeah. Yeah, because that's what I love about climbing is like. It's strategic. Yeah, you're you're like, okay, I know what my goal is, but where do I need to move from here? And like what, what you're literally focused on is movement by movement. Yeah, so. you'll, you'll enjoy, now that you say that, there, 
climbing and jujitsu are so similar in that aspect yeah. because it's it's physical. It, you're under physical stress while also having to be strategic and mental. Uh, yeah, I think you're gonna really enjoy jujitsu. Yeah, uh, and and I hope honestly, my other hope with this is that it uh, it helps with my climbing game. And honestly, it could be a it could be a rotating thing where you do climbing in the warm and jujitsu in the winter, uh, and that could actually fill that void of not having to spend ninety dollars at the climbing gym to not really have the experience of climbing. I mean, it's a similar experience, but it's a training environment. Well, and really, my my love for climbing is in the outdoors. Like, I can tell you the exact route I was on when I really fell in love with climbing. Yeah. It's called Orange Sunshine, and it's in Mission Gorge, California. Mm, Okay. That was um, not to this date, but at that time, it was the most technical climb I had been on. Yeah. And the fact that I was able to move and, like, balance and, like, keep pressure on certain points and and stuff and, like, complete the route Mm -hmm. was like it, it was a spiritual experience right when i when i got to to the top and i was like holy shit yeah you know and you're tired and you're achy and you're like yeah but your I thumbs feel like you're gonna they're gonna fall off and yeah like it's yeah you may really like you may find like i said if you do climbing in the warm and jujitsu in the winter you may find yourself like wanting to do a local tournament like you're not going to get hurt doing a jujitsu tournament taekwondo fuck you'll get hurt karate you could get hurt but jujitsu is very strategic and that's what i really like about it the training aspect is amazing yeah and and like i i don't know like i felt like i was and this is gonna sound super hippy dippy but i felt like i was like in really in like almost communion with nature when i got to the top of that one climb i was like wow i connected with the earth yeah like i i feel this like i feel it in my body i feel it in my soul i'm proud of what i've accomplished i feel like the world itself is proud of what i accomplished yeah not like everyone in the world but like just the I don't think that sounds crazy at all. I think anyone who thinks that sounds crazy is not developed in a certain way. And, and so like for me, like literally climbing for me, I want to be outside as much as possible because I feel like that's where um, I get tested and where I not only am I tested, but I shine too. Yep. Like if I'm on a route and I'm setting gear or if I'm just leading a sport route or whatever, like that's really yeah, where I'm tested, right. you know, and, and, you know, like even if you run up a five, seven multi-pitch, that's five pitches, like that's still exhausting right. on the last pitch. You're like, I don't know if I can hold on to this hold, which is like a super jug right like yeah you'd have no problem doing one pitch of those but like on the fifth sixth seventh pitch of like jug after jug like you're you're still fatigued so right i don't know man Uh, it's it it sounds it sounds very like 
out there to a lot of people, I'm sure. But it, it's because they haven't gone out and done anything. It's the same thing with sailboating. I would imagine you're yeah. under a strategic amount of like, I need to handle this and this and pull this rope and adjust, like pull the resistance of the winds. And I'm also out in the middle of like a huge river or you know, the ocean or, or yeah. whatever. Um, <clears throat> it's strategic as well as physically taxing. And those are what are the most fulfilling things in life is when you do something that's uncomfortable, that requires your mind, uh, and that's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, and you, I mean, like, you really have to work for it. Yeah. Like, you have to work to get there, and you have to work to get back. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and I hope that I can... Sorry, Denver. It's not comedy. Um, but I really hope I can... Uh, bring that to whatever offspring I have, you know, like yeah. my dad thinks I'm fucking nuts for rock climbing. He's like, all the, all the rock climbers die while climbing. And I was like, all the free soloists do. Well, well, I'm, and I mean, there are some accidents that do happen, but at the same time, it's like, if you don't get it, you don't fucking get it. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, you're just as likely to die from a car accident, I think. If not more so. Yeah. Because you're in car a car more often. Climbing, for the most part, is relatively safe. Um, yeah. But but well, it, it comes down to that, the, the experience of like, you know, I have a cousin who's a professional marksman. Sponsored, has specific guns built for him to go into these competitions and... Show him off for the company that builds the guns for him. Yeah. I imagine the high that he gets from hitting a target at like 1,600 yards is probably the same high I get from climbing a 510C. Yeah. And making it to the top. I would think so more for your aspect because you're under the physical stress too. You're able to hit a deeper mental... It's the same thing with yoga. It's It's... Being able to persevere through physical pain and having the reward of achieving something through physical pain. Physical pain is very important. doesn't mean you need to have someone whip you, you know? Well, but I, I will say this about shooting, though. Like, some of those guys, like, um, I would like to do this at some point, but, like, get a professional marksman or a sniper on this. Some of the shots that they take... They're stuck in that position, and if that's not physical pain, I don't, like, I mean, just... It's isomet- me- that's mental pain. But isometrically holding your body in one spot... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. ...for 10 to minutes to an hour yeah. to pull off one pull of the trigger. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that, that is pain. It, your it's, back starts to hurt. Your knees start to hurt. Your life. Yeah, it's endurance for sure, but I'm talking cardiovascular. Winded. Winded, having that feeling of like, I need to lay down, like, oh, uh, like. Yeah. It, I think it could be very rewarding for sure. I don't doubt that being a expert marksman isn't rewarding, but I think it's different. I think it's I think it's a different thing. Yeah. Um, but that's just my perspective on that. Yeah. And I respect that, but... Because, uh, yeah, there are some 
I mean, if you're holding a bear at 50 cal for three hours and then have to take, like, standing, a standing shot where you have to sit there for three hours and then shoot or something. Yeah. But I would see climbing as this, it's physically very, very taxing. Uh, you're sore the next day. There's not a shooter in the world that is like, I can't move because I'm so sore because I took a shot that was 1,500 yards out or whatever. That's possible, yeah. Um, but, you know, if there's any shooters out there, go ahead and email us at cheapshotdiscussions at gmail.com and tell me I'm wrong, yeah. and I will counter that and tell you you're wrong. <laughs> but that's the uh, beauty I, of it. I, I really do want perspective on that, though, because, like, yeah. like long-range shooting is something I want to get into for the same reason, like... When I was in the military and happened to qualify for um, my rifle quals, and yeah, you know, I was only at the 500 yard line, and a lot of pro, pro marksmen would be like, 500 yards is nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, like having to go through that mental game of like figuring it out, yeah, like I was incredibly proud of myself, like because I was able to pull it off, yeah, and. And I'm, I'm definitely not saying shooting is easy. Marksmanship is not easy. Right. Just like I'm saying, like, chess isn't easy either. No. Uh, the chess is not easy when you're playing with an experienced person. And I would assume that somebody who makes a play four moves in advance, like, seeing it play out in their head is very rewarding as well. Right. Um, but I think there are some sports or activities that have that mental aspect on top of having your entire body under strain the whole time or being in a physical uncomfortable position of like i want to give up on this but i still need to think yeah and and climbing does come down to that a lot of the time like your forearms are burning your elbows hurt or you're holding like this weird like knee or elbow wedge or something and you've been there for five minutes and you're still looking at your options and you're like god i need to get out of this position i'm dying but like in order to make it fruitful you have to figure out how to uh, there's a lot of climbing stuff that's like stagnant and dynamic it like and it shifts back and forth especially on the longer routes yeah. Um. And, and so it, it, it's like this really technical game of, um, okay, where can I hold myself to rest right now, and then where do I need to explode with right. power and speed? Yeah. And like sometimes, like those rests, they're not real rests. Like you're resting your arms, but your knees in like some weird, fucking. Cr- a crevasse that like you're like wrenching your leg on and it's just painful the whole time. I think, and that could be because I think we all chase the same high essentially when, when you talk about extreme sports, Yes, I did skateboarding for a long time and the ability, like if you take probably a little bit higher than the table, like a five stair and you think, okay, it's this high and it's this far out and I need to, Get enough speed. Have, first of all, have the courage to do it. Have the board pop up with me, flip underneath me, and then land and gain the balance. And that 
uh, that sense of adrenaline mixed with the euphoria of completing it, the euphoria of completing it and getting hurt even when trying to attempt to do it and getting that one where you actually get it and being like, it was worth it. It was worth enduring the pain and experiencing the adrenaline and being scared in order to get the outcome. I think most people who do extreme sports, we all chase the same thing. Yeah. It's the fulfillment of doing something that's hard. Yeah. My dad doesn't understand that. He's just like, you're going to die one day. And it, it, it comes with risk for sure. And there are some people that aren't willing to risk physical repercussions in order to get an outcome for a mental satisfaction. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure my mom's right there along with my dad, like, Oh, you're going to kill yourself doing this. And it's like, well, to a certain extent, I'm okay with that. Yeah. It it is a hard thing to explain, I guess, for like taking a physical risk to get the mental satisfaction. It's, it's a, it's something that you have to experience to get that fix, to get that like drive to go after it again. Right. Right. Or even the first thing, like you may have climbed something small and been like, Oh, something I need something bigger now. Or yeah, and, and that that's true because like at this point in the game, unless it's over like eighty to a hundred feet off the ground, I don't even get worried about the height. Yeah, aspect like that doesn't even come into my mind. Right. Adrenaline junk, like the term adrenaline junkie, is a perfect fit because it's. I don't know. That's what I felt when I was skateboarding. It's like I wanted that feeling of I, I wanted that. Like that's how I knew I was doing something that was out of my comfort zone. Right, right. And that drove me to like want to do. I remember being at a park and trying this for I, I tried to ollie just to, just to jump. For those of you who don't know the terminology, just jump off of four stairs. And there were these two people who seemed like eons older than me but now that i look back they're probably like 17 or 18 and they were like making fun of me they really were like, they were like on the cell phone being like this dumbass kid thinks he can do this thing and i was like fuck them and i landed it and i rolled away like all pompous like <laughs> looking at them like fuck you i just did that yeah and they didn't say anything and that point on i was sold i was like yeah. this th- there's something to this yeah and and see that's why i started um chasing that multi-pitch and trad climbing is because uh like you get to a point with sport climbing where it's like eh you know Mm -hmm. i don't care about this like i know i'm not in danger there's a bolt that's going like a foot and a half into the rock it's gonna catch me you know and then like unless you're like 400 feet off the ground, you're like, that don't matter Yeah, to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start like experimenting with trad climbing and stuff. And you're like, well, I'm going to put this piece of gear here. It has to catch me. Yeah. Like I'm my only safety net right now. And, and that sounds really fucking stupid, but the way they've engineered this stuff is, really good and if you place it right it's going to work um but yeah it's it's just like that that simple matter of 
like you're pushing the envelope each time. And a lot of people, like I, I would say half of the human population gets it and half don't. Like, yeah. They're like, why would you leave this comfortable little bubble of society that we've made with electricity, healthcare, shelter? Yeah. And it's like, well, I'm not leaving that entirely behind, but I need something more, you know, than, than yeah. like, if I go running down the street, does that help me stay in shape? Yes. Does it give me what I'm looking for? No. You'd probably have to go very high mileage, like a 30-mile run. Yeah. To get a similar experience. Exactly. And it's like, th- th- does it give me what I'm looking for? No, it does not. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. I'm I'm worried about having kids to a certain extent because if they come out anything like me, I'm going to be dealing with a lot of broken bones. Really? Oh, yeah. See, I've been grateful that I've never broken one. I've broken almost everything. Really? Wow. Except for my back. That's the best one to keep intact. I've I've broken my jaw, both of my arms. Cracked a couple ribs. Broken my feet. Nose? Nose. Like, I haven't broken my pelvis or either one of my legs, but I've broken my feet. Um, I think I had a broken finger for a while, and I never had it checked out. I may have had a broken... I may have had that, but... um, Haven't broken a collarbone, but, like, basically, my feet... Both of my upper extremities and my face have been just fucked. Yeah. So. I've had some stress fractures from like vertebrae stress fracture, but you don't really know they're, it's probably the same thing with your feet. You don't really realize it until later. Right. Because if you like, in my case, it was heavy squats. It was very heavy squats. And over time, you kind of your brain rationalizes pain to accept it as normal. Right. And then it slowly progresses to the point of like, you're walking sideways and you're like, no, I feel fine. (laughs) Yeah. Like, no, you have like three fractures. Like, Oh, I didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. And, and for me, I'm sure it was a combination of like all of the, um, marching and hiking in the military with all my gear. Yeah. And climbing. Right. Cause like in climbing, you're putting all of your weight through like one toe which if you really look at it, it's putting all your weight through one bone on your foot or you're sticking your foot in a crack and like using leverage <coughs> and friction to hold yourself in a place and push yourself up to the next level, right. to the next level. And so it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if I have stress fractures in my hand from that, right? from like going into a crack and then like wrenching my hand right. one way or the other to hold myself in a position. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know if my hands are fucked up or not, <laughs> but all right. I got to take a pee pee break. Look at, uh, hello guys. That's weird. Look at that. Oh yeah. The little wavy. Yeah. Um, once I've lost my 25 beer overflow. I got a rag. Perfect. Yeah. 
That's why it's in here. Yep. This thing's so fucking filthy, dude. I've been wiping my face with it too. Yeah, that's got that's got Corona twenty on it. <laughs> yeah, it's got COVID twenty three. Yeah. <laughs> oh jeez, Uzi's licking up the stuff that fell on the floor. Good job, buddy. Way to be a team player. He's gonna have fun later. But uh, once I lose this weight, like this will probably like. Lose this weight. You've lost 21 pounds, dude. Yeah, but still, like, I'm still working. Like, once I get down... Oh, fuck! (laughs) (laughs) It happened to him, too. Do you want the COVID-20? Yeah. (laughs) Damn it. That happened to me with Sam Adams in, like, episode 19 of my podcast. Yeah. Oh, it went everywhere. It went, like, I have it on video, too. It just, like, oh. Erupted like that volcano today. Yeah, I opened the thing, and I started talking, and it, like, you can see me still talking to the camera, and it's, like, overflowing, and I don't realize (laughs) it. It's just Just going everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. there well, is. what you got to do now, and I need to do this too with you, because this is where I lack core strength. My core oh, strength absolutely. sucks ass. I, and that, that'll help a lot with my climbing, and I'm sure with jujitsu too. So you got to do floor bridges, just freaking floor yeah. bridges, and I have that Navy SEAL wheel. The wheel thing, yeah. Those two things don't even need to do crunches. Crunches thicken the abdomen, which you don't want to mm-hmm. build muscle on the abdomen because it creates a thicker waist. You want to create endurance and you want to create that. That's exactly. And the wheel does crunches. I, I'm a big believer. You should never train abs on its own day. I think that's stupid. I think you're going to thicken your waist. You're going to look like these, you're going to look like Ronnie Coleman with a big gut. I don't like crunches. I hate crunches. So also I hate that, uh, the calf machine. I don't know if you know what the one I'm talking about. It's the one it's you, you stand. Yeah, yeah. The stand up one. You put the pads on and like so bad for your spinal column. The one you should do is the one where you're sitting and you like lift your legs. Oh, and the pads on top of your knees. That's the one you should do. The ones that go on your shoulders and you go up. So, so bad for your spine. That's as bad for your spine as like squatting is. And I don't even think squatting's necessary to big build build big legs. Big build legs. Big build legs. Uh there was a guy I was in the military with, uh like he had massive quads and calves. Uh-huh. And all he did was the quad machine that you're talking about and deadlifts. So like the leg machine where you like No, like leg the press? No, like the the where it's on your Nice. Oh, he did the calf raises. He yeah, did the calf raise machine thing, and deadlifts. That's you know, all he did. A uh, physical therapist I follow actually says don't even do the, uh, you know, the one where you put your legs in and you go like this. It's at yeah. the rec center. We yeah. did it actually. Yeah. So bad for your ACL. Really. You you have a very high chance of ripping your ACL doing that exercise Hmm. and it was not something i was aware of unless you're doing hypertrophy training he said which is bodybuilding for those of you who don't know uh it's not a good exercise to do Hmm. really really bad for your acl so 
So yeah. what is it? Just like leg press and leg press. Um, that's about it. Mm-hmm. You can do hamstring curls, which is, I mean, if you think of the hamstring, you guys, I have a rule of thumb. Try before you buy, try before you buy, tricep before bicep. And it's the same thing with your, uh, your legs, because if you think of the hamstring, you want the quadriceps more developed. So you want to train your triceps. In that case, it would be the quadriceps before the biceps, bicep femoris, which is the hamstring. hamstring. Yeah. That's just a term hamstring. I think is hamstring like a slang term. Where did that come from? Uh, it, it comes from the tendon that's on the back that okay. connects it to the like shin, basically. But yeah, I, I always trained quads and hams. I, I have quads on its own day. I think quads is a big enough muscle that you can have it on its own day. I haven't been training at my height for almost a little, little over, well, about a year now. Um, but I think you put quads on its own day. You put hamstrings, calves, adductors, and abductors on their own day because uh, the quads are prime movers. They're very, very strong muscles. Uh, and they. What about they, glutes? Glutes, I would still put. I guess I would incorporate in the quad. They're, they're a big. They're, they're a, big they're a prime mover as well. And I think a lot of it comes from squats. I still do squats, even though they're not great for your back. I don't do heavy squats. Yeah, because glutes help with your posture. They yeah. help like they, they help with a lot of stuff. You yeah, know? and I think uh, some if you glute don't squeeze work, your cheeks, no one else will either. It's true. Some <laughs> a lot of glute work comes from working your abductors as well. Um, but you're gonna you synergetically kind of work your glutes by doing one squats, lightweight squats. I don't see a reason to go over three fifteen for squats. I just don't. Uh, the 405 squats and higher are you're in you're you're putting too much stress on your vertebrae and uh squats are really good for that i i've never been one to train glutes by themselves though i'm not going to be that guy sitting there on the glute machine like pushing back on the what like oh the donkey kicks yeah yeah i've i've never been a part of that Hmm. um but I say if you do squats at a moderate rate and you work your abductors, your ass will be just fine. So <laughs> yeah, that's coming from a, a thick dude. I, I have a, I have a freaking lunch lady ass. So what about lunges? Lunges too. You're yeah, no, I lunges are fine. As long as you're not going too heavy again, if you're doing like holding 25 pounds in each hand and just that kinda. that's totally fine. I think when you're doing like two fifteen lunges, like barbell lunges, yeah, that you're you're hurting your spine, man. What about fifty pounds in each arm? Fine, fine. Yeah, I think especially if there's, are you talking lunges as in walking or yeah. lunges as in like lunge up, lunge up, lunge walking, up? walking like moving forward. You should be fine. Um, you're not really putting weight above, like you're putting weight on your shoulder. And it's compressing your spine. If you're holding them to your side, as okay. long as you have the core strength, because core is the most important thing. That's what I lack by far. I've been told that by two separate people and it hurt my feelings, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. My core is the this we- little snowflake over here. The core is the worst part of my body by far. Shut up, snowflake. Well, fuck. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I'm not saying I'm offended by it now. Um, 
but I was offended by it when somebody told me. I'm like, what's the worst part of my body? And they're like, your core. Like, that's the second person that's told me that. Fuck you. Uh, Constructive criticism is always kind of hard to take. No one wants to be told their inadequacies. It's no true. Like, but I always knew that. Of I knew that beforehand. Like, I kn- I've known that my core is the worst part. I've never had, I've never had the full defined six-pack abs where you can see, like, outlines of each one defined. And then the V at the bottom. And the V at the bottom. I've had the top four. Pretty damn defined, and the obliques very visible where you can see the ribs and the obliques, and I've had that, but Stratus I've never, and I've always had the small little part of the bottom, but I didn't know about keto back then, so fuck you guys. Um, and I'm so, I, I'm very sorry about the language, but. No, don't be. We've you're, only sworn six times in this whole podcast. Well, you're, you're not saying anything racist. Which was the problem before. That's subjective. (laughs) 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 I mean, like, swearing definitely falls under freedom of speech, in my opinion. Everything does. If I say I want to freaking... Never mind. Never mind. (laughs) Go there. Do it. Nope, I'm not going to go there. Do it. Not going to go there. Because some guy it, that works for some technology company that works in California is going to listen to this and offer me a job and then take it away. And he's uh, going to be ugly. He's going to be so ugly and have the biggest nose. But I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I learned my lesson with that. It's, it's the honestly, it, it, what happened to you is kind of, in my opinion, a little bullshit because it, it it's the venue, right? Like what I got fired for? Yeah. Wrong statement in the venue that I was in. Yeah, right? Yeah. You were here at home. Yep. He hadn't even met me. He hadn't talked to me. Never seen you. Never even seen me. Except probably pictures on the internet. And... Which you can Google. <laughs> and and then this. Yep. So, um... Yeah, I mean, it's... it. it so, like, I, I don't know. I... You'd have to know me before. He picked a wrong episode. And the sad thing is... He if just I, played the first one that popped up. If I wouldn't have procrastinated and have posted the other two episodes i had saved he never would have heard that and i probably would have got the job yeah but i procrastinated and therefore and you know what there's a couple of girls that i talk to and they say you can't put this on you but i can because if i would not have procrastinated in that sense they never would have heard it heard it yeah and i'd be in a different position but that's not the case I'm a big believer in self-accountability and internal locus of control. That's all I can control is myself. Right. If I would have posted those other two episodes, it would have been two episodes deep. He never would have heard it ever. Cause I, I guarantee you, he only listened to the first five minutes of that. If that (laughs) maybe the first three minutes. Yep. And then that was the end of it. 
Yeah, I know. I'd agree with you. And for those of you listening, they're not available anymore, but you're going to be able to hear them once we everything get some, blows over. Once we get some FU money. Yeah. Once we get some FU money, it's balls to the walls. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm not a racist person, but I'd like to have a good joke at other and people's expenses because it makes them feel bad. And it makes me feel good. And and that's what happened. And yeah, I mean, like the what 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 did the email say? Like, uh, we listened to your podcast, and you're. I've listened to your podcast. You're not a good fit for this company. I listened. Yep. We got we got what eleven, twelve more listens out of that. Yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> That's thank you so much. Uh, whatever your name was, I don't. M. I don't even remember. It's not important. I uh, do. He'll he'll forever be someone who's working in an office. John Doe. And he'll be miserable and get his degree at the University of Phoenix, which the only reason I give crap to that is because they were involved in a huge scandal in the early 2000s. About what? They weren't an accredited college. And they are now, though. Yeah, they got under new leadership, but they're still like... They're trying on, to dig themselves out of that. They're they're a for profit school. That's well, what I have a problem. Yeah, I mean, like, so is Grand Canyon University, Western Governors. Yeah, 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 yeah. At least I don't have a problem with Western. I'll probably go to Western Governors for undergrad because it's the fastest way to get undergrad. And if you get a grad degree at somewhere else, it, it no one cares. So, like, I. Uh, I don't know. I might be willing to um, move over to Western Governors or University of Phoenix or Western Governors has a damn good program for healthcare. But but here's my thing: I'm not paying for it. Yeah, Uncle Sam is paying for it. Yeah, and they're giving me money based off of month, not value. Right. So. Yeah, Western Governors is a self-paced program. If you do the whole program in two and a half years, here's your bachelor's degree. Like, master's degree, same thing. You can get your master's degree in like four and a half years. Like, I'm saying undergrad and master's combined in like four and a half years in Western. So, yeah. Uh, nothing wrong with that. It's it's a It's a piece of paper and people want it for some reason. So, in healthcare, it makes sense. Business doesn't make sense. Science fields, it makes sense for sure. Yeah. Like geology, chemistry, biology, stuff like that. Definitely well, makes sense. You, I, I've known, I've met chemists that dropped out of school because they felt that doctorate school was mind wash into selling pharmaceuticals for industries and they dropped out of doctorate school they went through grad degrees went to doctorate school and said i'm just selling you're just telling me how to sell prescriptions to people i don't want that and they published their own self-funded studies and got no notoriety from doing that uh and and painted their own career in on youtube or something and that's a viable career nowadays people don't want to admit it but it is if you have a graduate degree and a lot of knowledge you could easily make a lot more money than a doctor on YouTube as crazy as that sounds. It's a different era. We're still moving into that era and some people don't understand it. Some people like to believe that a piece of paper dictates your success or how people value you. But like I worked with a doctor, he 
God, his accolades, man. Like, they're they're a mile long. Yeah. Um, and he he worked hard to get those accolades. Right. Uh. He probably just he, he's been working as a physician in the field for probably like twenty some odd years. He probably just barely paid off all those student loans. It's cr- and it, it doesn't translate into success or happiness. You remember that Instagram video I showed you today, Hajib versus Hajab? Yeah. That guy has a doctorate degree. He has a straight up doctorate degree and he gave it all up to be a comedian. He said, uh, you know, he loved doing the work that he did as a physical therapist. He loved working with kids, but for him it was more it's fulfilling. It's a character piece. It's a character piece. It's a character piece. Uh-huh. Cold beer. Uh-huh. But he... Uh, <laughs> he found more satisfaction in making people laugh than right. he did helping small children get over disabilities. <laughs> so he's still paying off his student debt to this day. And yeah. he said it wasn't worth it for him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. T- title and what you do job description. Yeah. It's not worth it. Uh, like who was it that you spoke with? Um, or I, I can't even remember, but you, you posed this question to me. And it was like, what's most important to you? Compensation, job title, or day in, day out, what you do? They asked me that with that one guy who took what? away my job. It was in my interview. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, what I do day in, day out. That's what's important to me. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, yeah. Description. Yeah. Because... Um, it's unbelievable, but like, I I can't even imagine. I I worked a fuck ton of overtime doing this, but as a CNA, I made like $30,000 a year. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, not anywhere near the level of compensation that I should have got. That's around a $50,000 a year job for, for how hard you work. I would agree. Yeah. I would 100% agree. Um, but it's all education level based. Yeah. Um, but I quit that. And now I'm going into a job that required a year and a half extra of education. Nursing should be a six figure job. I agree. I in the current working conditions, if they were staffed properly and evenly distributed and you had like two or three individuals makes sense where the salary's at. However, it's not that way. I 100% agree, but just the 18 month difference mm-hmm. is bumping my salary up $15,000. Yeah. Now, it's not even an 18 month difference. It's like a year difference. Now, do you feel like your knowledge has increased drastically or the work you've put in is drastic? Like you've conformed to what they want you to do in order to get what you want. That's a hard question to answer. You've probably um, learned things here and there, but do you think the knowledge difference from what you knew then coming out of the military versus now is much different to justify the huge jump in salary? Or do you feel like the piece of paper did it? The piece of paper. Right. And that's my, that's all I'm arguing is that people need to stop taking pieces of paper so seriously and start looking at experience and practicality of knowledge of people that like if, if you already know the shit. Yeah. Cause it, if you go off of experience, yeah, 
I have an instructor in school that has eight years less experience than I do in the yeah. field. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know what to say to that. I know. And, and yeah. I have to bend over backwards to make this person happy. Right. And like, you know, um, they're not a male, but I essentially have to suck their dick mm-hmm. to get where I want to be. Right. It's a Weinstein, the, the Weinstein of, of the medical industry. Yes. And, and it's, it's not okay. Like, cause I, I don't know how many of you out there have worked with, um, former corpsmen or army medics or whatever, but like they have so much experience. Yeah. It, it, it really is unreal. It's, yeah. It's um, especially in the circumstances. Yeah. Like we've been at war for 20 years. Right. Like when you interview a former 65 whiskey or an 8404 corpsman or whatever, you're talking to a guy that probably had to put in a chest tube line in the middle of nowhere and use a canteen as a water sill. Right. You're talking to a guy who's probably kept someone alive, as in my case, for several hours without backup, without help, yeah. without any like sort of relief. Like I, I, I Oh, but you don't have a certificate that's an associate's degree, but not an associate's degree. You can't have this job. Exactly. Yeah. Like you haven't paid somebody. You haven't paid someone for a piece of paper. And the thing that kills me, that absolutely kills me. Okay. Like I I got hired at the jail and I'm super happy about that. I'm super happy to have a job period. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited to work at the jail because I did my capstone there and it, it, it's just an entirely different environment and it's a different every day but you get that in the er as well you get different stuff every day except for maybe right now with the covid19 thing almost six or seven years of emergency medical experience under combat conditions i didn't get a return phone call from the er nurse director yeah looking for a new hire right it's like yeah am i a new grad on your on on society's terms yes i'm a new grad but i have six years of training and experience in doing your job while being bombed yeah i think it's you know i think it's an amazing situation that w- where we live in in particular is that if you want to pers- perform surgery on somebody, you need to have a doctorate degree. Mm-hmm. If you want to own a company that oversees a hundred surgeons and has control over a hundred surgeons, you don't have to have a high school diploma. It's true. It's crazy. <laughs> And they point that out in the military too. It takes a it takes a it takes a college degree to fly the plane, but it takes a high school diploma to fix it. 
Yeah. What what job's more important? They're both equally important. And it doesn't even take a high school degree to own the whole company. It's, exactly. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I mean, just from my personal experience, like, I... You, you were living with us when I went out to those job fairs and I was like passed out my resume and I handed out stuff and I got like called back for certain interviews and stuff and I haven't heard back from those guys yet. But it was uh, about three months ago, yeah. No, like a month ago okay, at yeah. most. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to I, I went to the one at um, uh, the hospital over here like it's it's only a couple miles away from the house and i did a did their like little meet and greet and um job fair whatever i handed out six resumes there that night yeah not a single call call back not even email yeah nothing right fucking nothing right um i might break keto again for one more of these yeah, it's because they. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, what, one, one or two nights isn't going to kill me, right? I'm up two pounds today, but you said that's water weight. It's because so. you have freaking seven and a half, you know. What do you call them? What's the appropriate uh, term? Uh, cum sprouts walking around this earth. <laughs> That put in the res. It, it's volume. It's the amount of people that are competing. And that's. And one of the guys that was uh, applying for a med search job was like, I have six years of uh, EMT experience, like paramedic experience. Awesome. Me too. Yeah. You know, like. It's because society wants, management wants people that are easily moldable i uh, i agree people don't want uh, uh someone I, who thinks for themselves I, I honestly feel like the reason i didn't get contacted back by this one particular company and i'm not going to say their name because i don't want this to come back and bite me in the ass like 15 years from now when i might be looking for a different job yeah after i'm retiring from the sheriff's department or whatever uh as I walked up to one of the recruiters and I was like, you know, I really appreciate what you said during our little meeting um, in the conference room. Like, I know which company you're talking about and I used to work for them and I totally felt just like a number and not a person. Yep. And I think that's what sealed my fate. Like, looking back, I think that's what sealed my fate with them. Oh, is that they wanted you to not even think about that? They, they didn't want me... The fact that I went up and said something bad about my former employer, mm. I think, is what sealed my fate. That's fair. And um, people don't want honesty; they want fakeness. Yeah, and, and I'm so happy to be here, sir. And, and with uh, the IR job that I was looking at getting, and um, I'd gone through a job shadow, a phone interview, um, an informal interview in person on the spot, and a formal interview. Yeah, uh, I think what sealed my fate on that is they they were like, "What's your weakness?" And I'm a new grad nurse. Like my the most knowledge I have uh, is what I've learned in school and through my experience. And I was like, "Medications." I told them that flat out. Like, 
I need to work on my farm ecology. Mm-hmm. And I think that sold my faith there. Could be. Um, because you're, you're, um, in IR, you're doing a dance between like keeping people sedated enough to where they're not experiencing what they're going through, but they're still able to file follow directions. Yeah. And, um, I was like, you know, medications are not my strong suit. And I was upfront and honest with them. Uh, I think that sealed my fate. And I was like, it's really unfortunate, but like, just because I say that doesn't mean I can't learn. Right. Right. I I I agree. Like, okay. You're giving fentanyl Valium and Vecaronium to to people at varying degrees for these procedures. I can learn how to do that. Right. Let me shadow someone for six weeks. I will know. Yep. My issue right now, being a new grad nurse, is identifying, oh, they're allergic to this. They may be allergic to Valium. Right. That's my current problem. See this. This is where leadership and companies need to step up. Like I and I thank Jim for the opportunity. Yeah, like, the fact that he pushed me through the process so much. Like that gave me a lot of confidence. Right. Companies need to be more receptive to helping their employees grow, and I think that's the CEO's responsibility. I consider myself an entrepreneur. I know I have a loud enough mouth that eventually. I'll need to have my own company to be able to say what I say so I don't get canned. Uh, (laughs) But when I become in that leadership role of a CEO, you know, God willing, I hope I get to that point. I would want to rotate and have my employees shadow as many, like if an employee came to me, a low level employee and said, I'm interested in this. I want to shadow a vice president of this. I would be like, I want you to take over that role. And I want my vice president to shadow you. You're going to be an interim vice president for a month. And then that's going to go on your resume that you are the vice president of my company for a month. And when you go to another company, I will vouch for you. If you do a good job, I want you to succeed. I want you right. to, I want you to, I want the you the Bronson model. Yeah. I want the you Branson to Bronson model or whatever. Yeah. I want you to do a good job here. I want you to make me money. I want to make you I want to make you money. I want to gain experience for you, but I also want you to do things better. Right. My idea of being a good leader is in hopes that this young person becomes a better leader than I was. Yeah. Cause that's your legacy that you're passing on. Yeah. Cause when they talk to people like, where did you get this knowledge? This guy right here taught me everything I know. Yes. Like I can point back to people in the military I know how to do certain procedures and I can point back to specific nurses and doctors. Yeah. And I'm like, it's because of commander Marquez. I know this It's yeah. because of Lieutenant white or Lieutenant Amy. I know this it's because of Lieutenant Ott or Gibson or whatever. Gibbons. Sorry, not Gibson Gibbons. Yeah. I know this, that, this, that, uh, it, it, it's, you know, and, it's maybe not all recallable all the time, but it's the fact that I had these people that were in positions above me that were willing to step down to my level and teach me. Right. That's the, that's the thing. Right. And I think that's the mark of a good leader. 
Yeah, that's what's that's for sure what's missing. There's a lot of things that are people are good at. There's things that like, oh, I'm amazing at accounting. I'm the best accountant ever. Cool. Uh, I'm the best HR person ever. I'm the best. But the thing that's lacking in this society is people that say, I'm the best at helping people reach their potential. I'm the best at pushing people to realize their potential. And there's a role for that. Uh, and sadly, it's la- it's lacking so much that a lot of companies hire CEOs that don't know what the hell they're doing. Oh, I got yeah. my I got my master's degree at Duke University and have no experience. Great, you should be a CEO of a company. The board of directors think you should be the CEO. But CEO's job is to make sure everyone hits their true potential. I I, I think that uh, you know, and you can't enforce this on a government level because of the way this country is. But you know, that whole under undercover boss thing. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like in order to get a true fill of how the company operates, I, I feel the same way about the military. Like every military officer should serve a year as enlisted at the lowest level yeah to have perspective right and maybe they get bumped up through the ranks a little faster because they are an officer but it's like you're gonna do three months as an e1 you're gonna do two months as an e2 you're gonna do like you know yeah and you're gonna move up that hierarchy through the ranks um until you reach a rank over the first year, year and a half of your job. And I think it should be the same way in the private sector. Like, okay, you're going to be, we want you to run this company. You get hired from the outside. We want you to run this company. You're going to start with the janitor. Yeah. Then you're going to move to salesperson. Then you're going to move to like assistant manager and then manager and then regional manager. Like, and you move up because then you get perspective of how the rest of the company works from the ground level up. Yep. And that will influence every decision you make. See, and I think that's where a lot of people have the misconception of what a CEO does. If you think of a pyramid, like those of you listening, think of the dollar. You have the pyramid on the dollar. Imagine the CEO on the top. The way I see it, you flip that around so that the pyramid is facing down downwards the CEO's at the bottom. He's at the ground level. The rest of it branches up. The ground floor employees, like they like to refer to them, are the the front the front line guys. They're the front line guys who get to execute. And it's your responsibility to make sure that your position at the bottom of the pyramid reaches the top base in order to execute your vision and reach out to the rest of the world. Right. And it it's that's where we have the misconception have, is that the CEO's is at the top. He's at the bottom. Yeah, it's, you can't view it. There, there's human collateral. Yes. And you can't view it as expendable. And, and Elon would say that. that. Elon Musk would say that without the people he's working for or with, the people, he wouldn't even refer to people that are working for me. The people I'm working with make everything possible that I'm doing because they're carrying out the work. I carry out the vision, they execute on the vision. And the CEOs that view themselves and that 
go between their companies and go between different departments and say, okay, what's going on here? What can, what can be better done here? What can I do to give you resources to make sure that your guys execute on the vision that I have? That's what a CEO does. But instead we get this power structure being like, I'm the CEO. I'm going to sit in my office and wink my yang until I freaking, uh, you know, make a lot of money and get respected. Like Andrew Yang? No, not Andrew Yang. (laughs) Uh, no, I, I, I understand, but, and I, I agree. And that's why I, I do have a firm belief. Like if I were to ever start a company at all, Mm -hmm. any vice president, CEO, CFO I had would literally start at the bottom. Yeah. Like, like you're going to get paid your normal compensation. Yep. But you're going to show up. Like, say, if it were a medical right. service, you're going to be a CNA. Right. And once you feel like you know the plight of that CNA, you're going to move up to this. Right. You're going to be a nurse. And that's what the, and, I agree. And you're going to be a, a physician. And an most companies start that way. If you look at uh, startups, most of these vice presidents, which you take like, CEO plus vice presidents, maybe six to 12 people. They start doing those roles. The HR, the VP of HR is the person calling people being like, hey, we want to hire you. They're doing the work. But I disagree when companies come in and say, we're going to hire an executive from outside of the company to come in. Yeah, see, and for me, I, I, I disagree with that too because – like, even if that were the case, like, hey, we're going to hire this guy from over here to do this job. That guy coming yeah. from the outside in. Yeah. Doesn't have, understand it. No, he would, in my mind, he still starts at the bottom. Yeah. Like, that's where he needs to begin. Right. Because you, you need to understand what your base level employees need. Yeah. Before you start making these like big decisions you can't be like warren buffett man right i i know warren buffett's got tons of fucking money yep tons of money yep but he views humans actual lives as just numbers game and money yep And, and you can't you can't be in that mindset like yes i know i'm trying to run a business but like when it comes to laying people off, it should be a hard decision for him. He's like, Oh, I'll just cut out 5,300 people. Then we'll hire him back next season. Yeah. Yep. And, and like it as if they're the same people. Yeah. And, and that that's not okay. Mm-hmm. You need to start from the guy that's hauling boxes in the fucking warehouse. Yep. No, I agree. They, they need to have an understanding of the business. Um, Steve Jobs, when he was, when they hired their first CEO that wasn't Steve Jobs, his name was John Scully, and he was an executive on Pepsi. He was the Pepsi executive. I don't know if he was CEO of Pepsi or if he was a board member or what, but Jobs went up to him and he said, do you want to keep selling sugar water or do you want to come with me and change the world? Wow. That eventually turned into Scully destroying the company 
they actually voted jobs out of the company. He went off to develop Pixar. Um, he was a co-founder in Pixar and he was jobs was. Yeah. He was a huge part in the first toy story. He was the guy going around making sure like pushing people to their limit to make sure it was the best it could be. Then he went out and started uh, NZX or uh, next computers. Okay. Which no one ever heard of. At this point, Scully was running Apple into the ground and they reached back out to, uh, and they reached back out to uh, Steve Jobs eventually and said, we need you to come back. And they bought his computer company, Next Computers, for an ungodly amount of money and made him the CEO again. And he turned the company around a second time. Because they started off as IBM so way I, back in the day. IBM was a competitor to them. IBM's a, it's a completely separate entity. Um, but Apple started as IBM. No, Apple started in a garage. Apple started in a in a like an actual garage, and they competed with IBM. IBM was the super juggernaut, and Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Steve Wozniak developed a board um, called the Apple One, and they started going. And Steve Jobs came along and said, "I can help you make money from doing this." And Wozniak said, "Okay, awesome. We can introduce this to people." Jobs was the business guy. Wozniak was the genius behind it. And uh, people kept turning him away, saying, IBM dominates the space. There's no way we can compete with IBM. IBM is the juggernaut. To this day, you can find computers that have the big IBM. IBM's nothing now. They're fucking gone. Yeah. Apple stormed in, took over that market. A lot of people don't know that Apple developed the mouse, the mouse with the ball in it. Uh, the the mouse in general was an Apple thing. That. The the ability to scroll on a computer and go to like, like the will. No, like even like go on a computer and like, the graphics of a computer before Apple it was all typing. You had to type code, and be like execute this task. Boom. Apple was the one to come along, and make it so you actually like click and like Windows and stuff. Bill Gates copied that. And I know that. And Jobs was pissed about it. Um, Jobs was a dick. Most people will agree he was a dick, but he pushed people to their utmost fucking potential. And I, I think what um, Gates did was uh, he made the interface more user-friendly. Um. At, at a point. Yeah, it's... Because I, I remember being in uh, middle school, and we had those fucking weird computers that uh, the entire thing was contained in the monitor. Yep. And it had the color on the top. It was like blue or pink or red or fucking... Yeah, those would have been like the Apple IIs yeah, or something. Yeah, the fuchsia or whatever. Yep. <laughs> and, but I, I feel like at the time, Windows was more user-friendly and it it changed they changed a lot of things apple was the one that pushed for like you should be able to change fonts you should be able to like they were the first real touchscreen cell phone yeah that's true and that changed the game android came along it changed the game I mean, the iPod Touch is what really changed the game. Yeah, the iPod Touch. Um, and then somebody looked at the Touch and was like, we should make this into a phone. We got the Zoom now. And then 
Um, but the idea that this one man came in, he was exiled from his own company that he started from the ground up from a garage with Steve Wozniak. He was kicked off the board, kicked out of the company, co-founded Pixar, started Next Computers, oversaw the project of Toy Story 1. Uh, Great movie. And then was bought by the company in order to save the company. He became CEO again, turned around the company. And now everyone waits year by year to buy the iPhone 11, 12, 14. Right, and I remember when iPhone 1 came out. It was 2007, I believe. I I remember that too because I had a friend at church that was like all into like, I have the latest and greatest phone. I have the latest and greatest phone. And so they had like a, some sort of BlackBerry device device that had the balls yep. to scroll. And then like the iPhone came out and they're like, I've got the iPhone. And I was like, like, cool. Great. And I then the care. iPhone, the iPhone 3G came out. That's the, I got the 3GS was the first um, smart, not, not, not the first smartphone I had, but that was the first okay. like, iPhone I had. Yep. And it was the last iPhone I had. Yeah. Yeah. 3G. I don't remember if it's 3G or 3GS. It's so long ago that that was the first phone to have an app store. No other phone had a place where developers could make apps. I think it was the 3GS. Okay. Because I remember like downloading games and stuff on that. Yeah. Like I had a BlackBerry Storm 2, which was the touchscreen that you actually like had to click, like press in like it was a button. Yeah, they had like a wheel that clicked as like a little ball, like a mouse ball. No, no, that was the uh, BlackBerry Storm. I'm talking about the BlackBerry Storm 2, which was uh, the same size as an iPhone. It was a touch screen, um, and you clicked it. You can check your emails on it. Yeah, and, and, and stuff like that. But the first and last iPhone I've ever had was the iPhone 3GS, and yeah. Liz is like... You know, iPhones have gotten a lot better, and I'm like, like I just had such a horrible experience with the 3GS. Yeah. That um, tainted your expectations. It it really did, and I've never looked back. And now they're the reason I like Apple is they're they're so progressive in the fact of how do we make the experience of people better? That's what they're after. Healthcare is their big thing now with the the watch and the EKGs or ECGs, whatever you want to call them. But uh, a- Android, Galaxy, Samsung has yep. released this, the same thing. Right, but they're not as widely accepted. They're not as widely used by big hospitals, big corporations, because Apple has this way of not only creating a good product, but selling that product to big corporations. I I agree. Um, I guess for me, it's just like I've always wanted to be slightly part of the counterculture, you know. Which like, now it's opposite. Uh, Android holds the market share. Samsung holds the market share. So now, technically, iPhone is the counterculture. Um, but I, I still, like, in my own mind, I can't bow to the great jobs. I can't, like... I can because he's a great leader. I, I, I can't slobber his knob, dude. Well, in the end, we're we're paying money to an American company or a Korean company. What side do you want? Korean. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but 
I, we need to we need to prop up the South Koreans so they can keep those North North Koreans in check. But I mean, you even told me with uh, the coronavirus thing, they're tracking people right now. Yes, yes. Apple's number one priority for consumers is security. Without my permission, they cannot track my position. Apple hasn't made a fold foldable phone yet. You're tr- You're one hundred percent correct. Um, but. I mean, it, it, that comes down to came, uh, consumer like preference, I guess. Uh, for me, like a phone's a phone. I've seen a couple Android phones come out with like a screen on one side, a screen on the other. What the fuck do I need that for? I can see the the benefit for the fold for sure because it's like having a tablet and and folding it up and it's a phone or whatever. That's fine. If you shatter the screen though, seven hundred dollar repair, pretty steep. Pretty steep. Well, I've gotten out of the habit of chucking my phones across the room, so that's good. I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, um, and for me, it's 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 preference nowadays. I'm like, if you like one, if you like the other, that's fine. I have people at my work that still argue Android's better, or whatever, and I always end the argument with like, if it works for you, it works for you. I don't think one is better than the other. It's it it really does come down to like use user interface preference at this point. Like I really do. Yeah. Um the cameras are equally good. Like all of the cameras are equally just as good as the next. Yeah. Uh, uh like they all perform the same function. You can surf the internet, you can do your social media. Yep. Holy shit, it didn't overflow. Nice. Um uh you can well you can do anything, really. The only thing and I'm going to call out a specific company on this. Huawei. No. Okay. Nimblebit. Don't know who that is. Nimblebit, you fucks. Make pocket planes available on Android, you sons of bitches. <laughs> pocket planes? Pocket planes. You managed an airline, and it's done through 8-bit graphics. <laughs> and I haven't had that game since I was an iPhone 3GS user. Mm-hmm. I love that fucking game. Let me see if it's still in the app store here. Are you, have is. you checked lately on yours? It is. Uh, it's not on mine. Really? It's not available on Android. It's specific to iOS. Liz has it on her iPhone like 10 or 11 or fucking 16 or whatever they're on right now. Um, did you find it? No. It could be rated down, though. It might be so old that... Pocket planes, bro. Pocket planes. Nimble bit. Make that for Android, you fucks. You got pocket trains. You got tiny tower on Android. Why can't you make pocket planes on on Android? I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's hard from working in technology. The reason why a lot of companies do exclusive iOS is because there's one phone. There's one phone to develop for. 
And if you look at Android phones, since they release all of the time, all different companies, they all have different hardware, different CPUs, different RAM. Like Nokia versus Samsung versus Google. Versus Huawei versus freaking uh, OnePlus. They're all over the place. Right. And um, I don't know. Apple has never been about... They're not a hardware company. They're a software company. They're They're a software company that makes hardware. They're obsessed about experience and they're not a perfect company. I mean, no company is, uh, they've refined things over the, they've made some absolute God awful products. iOS was shit for years and years and years. Uh, and then That's it got, what turned me off from, then it got really good in iOS six and then iOS seven came out and then it went like they had glitches. And then recently they restructured the company they started making focus groups like you guys just work on the maps app. You guys just work on the stocks app. You guys work on this app. You guys work on this app and we're going to make sure it's perfect. And we're going to all come together. Didn't used to be like that. Um, so we'll see where they turn. Uh, yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, I, I do, I, I'm jaded towards Apple. I really am. Um, and I'm not going to lie about that, but like I, I feel like I, I came into the Apple game when they were trying to figure this shit out. Yeah, and I did not stick with them because right. they done fucked up at the time. Yeah, I've had and, experiences too where I, I've switched back and forth because I was like, iPhones like cheap and iPhones this, and then recently, especially with the AirPods, that is a product where I was like this is a good product. Like this is a damn good product. Just the, the convenience factor. They nailed the AirPods in the sense where you carry this little pod around with you. You open it up, you put one in and it only plays in that one. If you take it out, it pauses whatever you're listening to. Even if it's on a Mac, you're watching a YouTube video, someone comes in, take it out, pauses the video, put it back in, plays the video. Those are the little things I care about. It's, it's, I don't want to think about technology. I don't want to have to like uninstall. Okay, I'm having a glitch. Uninstall this. Uninstall. I don't want to think about that. That's what they're after, and I respect that. But I can respect that too. But at the same time, like I I do enjoy some of the autonomy and decision making that comes along with managing technology myself. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. I feel like you you get into the Apple will wheelhouse, so to speak, and the ecosystem. Yeah, that their ecosystem, and essentially, unless you're willing to grow and become a slave to that ecosystem, you're not going to enjoy the product. Yeah, and, and that that is really my biggest issue with them at this point and the picture of steve jobs out there holding his chin like i fucking hate that picture he looks like a pompous douche uh yeah with his little black tactile neck on and his fucking um ringo star glasses (laughs) um in the end he was a hippie I, mean, I, was, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like a lot of people have done that though. Obama's done that. Freaking 
Uh, he wore Ringo Starr glasses and held his chin in a like a no, superfluous pose. And they all do this. And to be fair, he has changed the world in the past 50 years more than anyone else has. I, I will agree with that. And I'll, I, I'm more than okay to agree with that. Mm-hmm. But like my biggest issue is like for me, if you're selling me something, tell me what it can do. Don't yeah. try to sell me ex- an experience. Tell me what it can do. Let me make my own experience. Yeah. Apple's commercials, which is a very good marketing plan. I will say they didn't used to do that by the way, they sell an experience and unless you're part of their wheelhouse and are willing to buy the AirPods, the watch, the fucking like little Alexa fucking Bluetooth radio pod. Yeah. And the, the Apple TV, like smart TV and computers and stuff like it just, Unless you're willing to be in part of that ecosystem in that wheelhouse, yeah, you don't get the full benefit from the product. Where like I feel like right now, um, I I can stick with Android, mm-hmm. but I don't need an Android watch. Yeah, I don't need Android he- Android headphones. I don't need Android. TV. I don't need like this or that to. Which they have all those things, by the way. I, I know they do. Yeah. But I don't feel like I need those to experience the positive effects of having that product versus Apple. Like, I feel like my, especially my wife, mm-hmm. feels like she needs the AirPods, the watch. Like, even today, like, I bought her one of those fucking, I bought her the Gen 5 Apple Watch for Christmas. Yep. And she broke it. On accident, she dropped it. Yep. But she asked me today if we could replace it. And I was like, and she's, she would hate me for saying this, but I was like, we don't have the money to Mm -hmm. right now. Um, but like. You know, she she feels like she needs needs all of the extra shit, yeah, to benefit from being part of like just having an iPhone in general. Right. And that that's a big part of their marketing, because in order to innovate, you need money. You need to spend money on True. development, just like science, just like NASA. True. You need money. Um, Apple's a trillion dollar company. There's only a couple other trillion dollar companies out there. There is Amazon. There's Apple and there's Microsoft. Now, if you buy an iPhone by itself and don't have any of the other stuff, can you fully experience the Apple experience? Yes. It's up to how much TV do you watch and how many advertisements do you see? How many people do you see wearing them? Word of mouth? Yeah, I'm wearing an Apple Watch now. Now, I will say when you guys do decide to replace it, don't buy the Apple Care in the store. What you do is you buy the Apple Watch. You say, I don't want the protection. You go home on your iPhone. You sign up for the monthly subscription. It's $3 a month. Okay. 3 bucks a month. And that covers, if I break this thing, it costs me $29 to replace it. See, and I didn't do that 
at the Apple store when I bought her the watch for Christmas because it was ridiculous. And it, it's one hundred fifty dollars. It was like, yeah, it was an exorbitant amount, and I was already spending five hundred dollars on the fucking watch. Yeah. Do you guys go through? Uh, who do you guys go through through uh, a cell phone company? AT and T. You can actually buy an Apple Watch for thirty dollars down, and it adds like twenty dollars a month to the phone payment, and you get the cellular connected one. Really? Yeah, that's what I did. And a lot of the times, like they give you a little deal. Like I got one hundred fifty dollars off the watch price, so I got the cellular plus Wi Fi one on my cell phone plan. They gave me a hundred fifty dollar credit off the watch, and now I pay twenty bucks a month on top of my cell phone bill. Okay, uh, and that's a way you could not just go to an Apple store and be like, "Here's my money, take it." Um, I, I'm gonna cut in with a hard shift of gears. I already hate myself right now. For the beers? Yeah. No, you shouldn't, man. Like you shouldn't. You're doing good. Uh, you're not gonna gain any weight from it. Uh, just going to walk I, tomorrow. Going to walk with the dogs and Liz and, uh, like I I don't know man like but you you told me it's twenty five carbs per beer. I'm working on seventy five carbs right now in in this, and I in order to maintain keto, I know I have to stay below fifty, and I just feel like feel like a piece of shit right now. I'm well, not going to lie. You just got to burn the energy. Carbs are energy. If you keep that in mind, you burn the energy, you have nothing to worry about. But God, beer is so good. Like, fuck. It's so good. Um, yeah. And, yeah, taking a break off keto is not... You may like a uh, carb cycling plan. Um. Because that basically entails doing keto for five days and then doing two carb days and then going back on keto for five days and doing two carb but days. But it takes three days to get into keto. Right. And the, the benefits of burning fat are still going to transpire when you're doing keto for five days. You have two days of optimum burning of fat. If you, in those two days, go on a hike, you go climbing, and then you replenish with carbs for two days... You're not going to gain fat from it, period. Like it's it's not going to happen. I, the only reason that during this time of like whatever we're going through right now, social isolation and COVID, and, yeah, yeah. If I didn't have the knowledge that I had, I would have gained twenty pounds by now. But somehow I've been able to stay at this same exact weight when I started. I may not be as strong. Uh, I may not be as well, like, yeah, because the gyms are closed, right? I'm not as strong, but at the same time, I'm not gaining weight. And it's because I strategically place my carbs and I intermittent fast. I have an eight hour win eating window. I eat within eight hours, period, end of story. I don't gain weight. If I start okay. eating breakfast again, I'm going to start getting weight. If I start eating bagels in the morning, cereal, whatever, whatever, I will gain weight. Black coffee in the morning with sugar-free sweetener. I fast until at least 3 p.m. And then I eat what I want after that. Don't gain weight. I had a friend in the military that swore by that. It works. It 100% works. And if you think about how we were in primal ages. That's how it was. Yeah. You went out and hunted. You did your exercise by hunting. Look for food. You killed the food. You ate at the end of the day in a small window. 
this idea of three belt this part of a balanced breakfast and three three meals it's bullshit it's bullshit um two meals a day is very sufficient and uh people will ridicule me for that but you know what? i wouldn't like because honestly as a healthcare provider like that's usually what you get anyway yeah um there's a lot of people, especially now with this whole fucking virus thing, that like nurses, physicians, PAs, NPs, whatever have you, they might eat something small yep. on their way into work, a bagel, donut, whatever, get that like glycogen stored up for the day, Yep. and then they don't take a break. Yeah. They don't stop to eat or drink anything right until they're off 12 to 14 hours later right Uh, and like i mean i've i've done that in the past yep and i i remember working at the local hospital here even uh at the big one down in murray uh that like you know working through lunch not getting a lunch break Yep. And stuff. But even going beyond that, like, uh, your body just kind of knows what to do. Because when I was in Afghanistan, there was, like, a time where we got this mass, mass casualty incident. And I was working in, in full armor for several hours mm-hmm. under extreme heat and duress. And, uh, like... No one was able to to help me out. I wasn't able to stop and get a drink of water. I wasn't able to stop and eat. And some of that's adrenaline, but like, uh, I, I, I remember this like feeling. Like I was sitting there and I was getting ready to stitch up a guy's face, and someone, uh, our our engineer, basically, uh, yeah, came up. And I was like, do you want your flack off? And I was like, yes, please, for the love of God. Mm-hmm. You know, all I said was yes. But I was like, in my mind, I was like, yes, fucking finally. Yeah. And they just hit the, the tabs on the top of my flack and my armor and pulled it off me. And I was like a sweaty mess underneath. But, like, just, like, that release and that decompression from that physical weight was enough to keep me going. And, like, that happens in healthcare now with uh, our nurses. Like, even before this COVID thing, there's plenty of nurses out there that would, they go into work and they don't get a lunch break. They don't get any break. They don't get any weight taken off their shoulders. Yeah. Until the end of the day. Right. And like I just remember that one instance, and I'm like, wow, that that's like a it's a magical feeling, right? And they only get to eat whatever they happen to eat before they come in, and and that was that day for me. Like, I ate breakfast. I did not eat again until midnight. Yeah. And what I ate at midnight was garbage. Right. Like I didn't get lunch. I didn't get dinner. I I ate what was available to me. Right. So, yeah, no, it's it's uh 
fasting there's a reason why religions talk about fasting or preach fasting or that you should fast um there's a mental clarity that comes from it i would um, agree with that because we're chemical beings you introduce new chemicals it changes how chemicals react uh and your your perception changes and i guess my biggest thing is that if you're able to sit in a fasting window of you know my fasting window is eight hours i can eat eight hours out of the day uh and the rest of it i don't so 16 hours you don't eat yeah i don't eat for 16 hours today i didn't eat until 5 p.m i had no calories zero um which is almost when we started recording almost yeah and then i had macaroni and cheese and freaking pizza bites and i'm able to stay at between 12 and 12.5 percent body fat year round just from intermittent fasting that's not even i haven't exercised in probably uh, a week and a half maybe even yeah maybe even a little bit yeah longer because because i mean this quarantine the 12th yeah i mean yeah and i feel water retention i feel a little a few things but at the same time as long as i stick to fasting 15 days ago was yeah the 12th and that was as far as i know the last time you went to the gym because that's when this whole shit really kicked off yeah and then when we're done with this i'm gonna go make alfredo and pasta and hamburger meat and i won't gain weight from it because the fasting negates like if since i'm fasting that long and going throughout my daily routine getting up walking around uh burning calories that's stored fat that i'm burning it's not if i eat a meal in the beginning of the day my body's going to use that as fuel i'm not going to get to stored stuff so even though i'm not working out right now i'm able to maintain because boom i haven't eaten for 16 hours i went through sleep and then plus some for another eight hours i'm burning all that fat in that eight hours right then when i eat it's the same thing over and over so you can maintain your current body weight and you're stronger i guarantee you if you start intermittent fasting let's say you bench 225 now intermittent fast for a month you'll be able to go 250 you'll be able to bench 250 pounds um, they have scientifically proven that intermittent fasting leads to more muscle mass and stronger performance so yeah try it guys that's all i can say try it out it's a character piece. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, we're hitting the 310 mark, so I think we should wrap it up. Yep. Thank you for tuning in to the first ever episode of Cheap Shot Discussions for now. The second coming. The second coming. <laughs> this has been Caden Thompson. And Dallas Weaver. Signing off. Bye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your continued support, and uh, as always, go fuck yourself. Yes.